get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'd go out and get myself a legitimate number one because anytime you have a legitimate number one, you have a chance to win a series. Or if you have a legitimate number one, you stop losing streaks too. So a horse like that would be somebody I'd look at because I I do think the lineup's going to be fine. And if you look at what they did last year, barring the two games against the Phillies, you know, they're top three, top five in a lot of offensive categories in the National League. So the offense was fine, but go get me a number one. That'd be the direction I'd go. I don't know if you guys agree, but that's where I'm at. That was Danny Mack yesterday on with us talking about what his top of the wish list would be. If I told him you can go out and get one significant addition this offseason for the Cardinals, what would you do? Dan said, very simple, I'm going to go out and get a legit number one starter. And alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Guys, I watched a lot of baseball yesterday. A whole lot of baseball. And oh, let man. me start with this. Hockey season. How the Cardinals do? Got some bad news for you. Hot damn, are these playoffs fun? They yeah, are awesome. Cardinals should be a part of it. Yesterday with the Astros game, you got to see, I, I think it was the first, if I'm not mistaken, walk-off home run when the team was down by multiple runs in Major League Baseball playoff history, which seemed like a fake stat the first 17 times that I looked into it. And then I realized that it somehow was actually true. Uh, you know that got BK's jollies in a rancher. <laughs> yes, it did. I want to focus, though, on another game that I watched last night. And that was the Yankees versus the Guardians. Because, Alex, as I looked up and down that Yankees lineup, I came to a conclusion. Man, there's a lot of former Cardinals. <laughs> that is one of the Man, conclusions. Man, Aaron Judge would be great in Cardinals red. That's another one you could have had. Man, the Pirates, I can't believe they gave up Garrett Cole. That is definitely a third. A fourth would be, man, their lineup is not significantly different from what the Cardinals have. Outside of Aaron Judge. Okay, now you're crazy. Outside of Judge and Stanton, who in that lineup scares you? Matt Carpenter, Harrison Bader. Well, Carpenter wasn't in the lineup yesterday. Yeah, but he was on the bench, and that mustache scares me. Harrison Bader was, and he ended up, he probably should have concerned the Guardians, considering he hit the home run, missed that guy very much. But in all seriousness, Anthony Rizzo is your two-hole hitter. Gliber Torres was batting third for them yesterday. They have this dude, Cabrera, Oswaldo Cabrera, who is batting fifth for them in their lineup right now. He's basically, for them, discount version of Brendan Donovan, who was batting fifth for the Cardinals. I don't view that lineup as being more scary than the Cardinals. The difference, though, is that they've got a dude on the mound. 
Garrett Cole was different yesterday than anything that the Cardinals have to offer in their rotation. And he's making $300 million. So, yeah, they expect him to be a different kind of starter. He went yesterday six and a third innings, gave up one earned run, struck out eight, and walked just one. Gave up five base runners over the course of six innings. That is the kind of thing that the Cardinals simply do not have right now. And I think that I'm starting to lean into what Danny Mack is saying, where it's like, you know what? If you could get yourself a Jacob deGrom, if you could get yourself a Justin Verlander, you go into the offseason and for the Guardians, for example, they somehow make Shane Bieber available this offseason. I think, Alex, that is starting to be the way that I would lean is going out there and getting yourself a legit number one front end starter that is at or near the top of my wish list. I, I can understand that. And you're right. Going out there and getting yourself a Garrett. A Shane Bieber, you know, if he wasn't injured, a Walker Bueller with the Dodgers, those are all perfect. And I thought Jack Flaherty was supposed to be that, and who knows if he can be that. It doesn't seem like it. But I don't feel like that's the Cardinals' issue. I mean, they had a superb job done last season by Adam Wainwright in the wild card against the Dodgers, and they could have beat the Dodgers. Their offense would have hit. Jose Quintana pitched a gem against the Phillies. And that wasn't the problem. The offense couldn't hit. And then you will, of course, get Miles Michaelis and the piggyback from the bullpen. What was the problem? They couldn't hit. So as much as I would love to go get a top-end starter in a rotation and say that I've got my shutdown ace for the next five, six, seven seasons, that's not this team's problem. This team's problem is the fact that they can't hit anybody past first base in the postseason for three straight years. It does seem like an issue. Yeah, I, <laughs> If I you agree. don't score I've, runs, you can't win. I've been told that. I've already got to put at least a breadstick on the board to win. What's and a breadstick? A one. Oh, well, Matt yeah. Rule said after the game on Sunday that they can't win unless they start scoring points. And then he was fired on Monday. So maybe he not fired. You know, his philosophy. I don't know. Well, thankfully, Ollie didn't say that after the game. <laughs> but I, I agree with Alex. As much as I think a top-end starter would be nice to have in this team, I think your rotation set once Adam Wainwright, if he decides to come back. Is that a back. good thing, though? Can we, can we have an honest conversation about whether or not that is a good thing? Because I think you're right. If they bring back Adam Wainwright, your rotation is very clearly. Miles Michaelis, Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, Jordan Montgomery, Steven Matz. That is a perfectly solid starting five. Seems like, seems like a great starting five. There is nothing wrong with having those five gentlemen in your starting rotation. Do they have a number one, though? Because Jose Quintana just started game one for them in the playoffs. And that rotation that I just mentioned, guys, it didn't include Jose Quintana. I think so. It included Dakota a few Hudson. guys who weren't even a part of their playoff rotation in a best-case scenario. Is it a good thing if they bring back Wayno and just say, you know what, we're running this thing back without the guy that started game one of the playoffs but for us? That's the problem. That's the problem right now. It's not just one issue for this team. If the, if if we're going to argue that they got to go get an ace, and I agree, they need an ace because none of those guys are number ones. I don't trust any of them. Oh, see, I think Flaherty's a one. I, I think they're going to gamble. I think they're going to gamble on Flaherty. Well, last uh, time again. we gambled on a shortstop, it didn't pan out too well. Yeah, well, that guy, I could have told you that wasn't worth the gamble. I, I'm done. I'm done gambling on this, and I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he goes out there with the Michael Jordan mentality and proves us all wrong and pitches like a Cy Young candidate. But I can't trust that. But if I'm going to argue and listen to the argument that they need to go get that top of the end starter, 
Well, then you better also be willing to spend a lot of money on getting another bat because you need somebody who can hit in the postseason. I think they'll look at Jack Flaherty and they'll gamble on his upside once again. I I would be shocked. I'd be shocked if he can break any more than he already has. But he's a pitcher, so you're always going to live with the risk of injuries. But Jack Flaherty, when he is right, I still think he has the best stuff on the staff. I think he's a legitimate number one that can be a guy that can shove for you in the playoffs. We were banking on that. I think this year was just the injuries, and he didn't have enough time to get back to being himself. I truly believe that's what the issue was for Be Jack Flaherty. confident he'll be that next year. I said that going into I, this season. I, do I feel I, confident in that? I'll say yes. I, I don't. Oof. I can't see him being injured a third straight year, which he's been dealing with, and also he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So, like, he has a lot to put on himself. Like, he has to be able to go out there. He has to play for his next contract. So... I think you see a big year from Jack Flaherty. I think the Cardinals will be gambling on that, and I think they'll say to themselves, okay, we either bring back Wayno. If Wayno decides to retire, we go to Quintana, and we say, hey, we got a spot open for you. Let's do a one-year, I don't know, $8, $10 million contract with you. You bring him back. Your rotation's set, and I agree with Alex. The rotation has not been the reason this Cardinals team hasn't gotten past the first round that they've seen in the playoffs. The rotation's given them a fighting chance. The offense just hasn't shown up. And I get small sample size, just three games, but I think this lineup needs more length to it. And I think they will look to add more bats, divvy the resources in that area, just in the lineup as a whole, than they will to be more likely to spend $40 million to go get like a Verlander or a DeGrom, someone like that. Here is Brad Thompson talking about this yesterday on what the Cardinals rotation looks like if Adam Wainwright does return. If you do bring Wayno back, which I am a huge advocate of Adam Wainwright coming back, well, then your your rotation is set, barring an injury, because you got Michaelis, Montgomery, Matts, Flaherty, and then Wainwright. Then does Mo add? Like, because we still don't have an you ace. Can't add, you can't add You still don't have end. an ace in that group. Well, that ends and up being the problem, All we talk about right? is another guy that's swing and miss, and you, you don't really have it. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I've... I've got some concerns about this rotation, and, and I, it's weird to say because Wayno for three quarters of the season was awesome. I was, we were all expecting him to be the guy that started game number one for you in the playoffs. But then the final six weeks happened, and I do think it is relevant to read off his tweet from this morning. Adam Wainwright tweeted out about an hour ago now, quote, I want to clear up a few things because I didn't pitch the way that I wanted to down the stretch. And I feel I need to explain on August 28th. I was hit in the knee by a comebacker against the Atlanta Braves without knowing it. After that game, my stride length got shorter by almost a foot and my timing was off. That had never been a problem for me in the past. My stride length has always been very consistent because my timing was so badly off. My front arm started to try and create power by pulling. And when that happens, you pull yourself off of target. Frontside pulling, back arching, head leaning, all new things for me that weren't normal fixes. It's why I want to be able to generate any power with my arm. Fortunately, we got it fixed by one adjustment at, at a time, but the season was over by the time that happened. Let me say this. It's my fault. I didn't stay diligent enough on my film work to catch it immediately. It was something that I had struggled with before. It wasn't something rather that I had struggled with before. The zip and the crispness to my stuff returned as soon as we locked in on the problem. What I was attributing to dead arm was actually an awful delivery. The end of the season should have been very different for me. And who knows what happens if I'm sharp down the stretch. I feel terrible about it. Y'all deserve better. My team deserve better. I owe it an explanation. So there you go. Go Cardinals. I 
this is not surprising to any of us that this is what happened, that it was the knee issue, because it was a very clear, like, that happened and then the issue started. So it makes sense that you could draw, I mean, it's a straight line from one through the end of the season. My concern is this. We didn't see him fix this. We saw him struggle through while he tried to fix things. And then I think he was probably going to, if not start pitch in game number three, we would have had an opportunity to see if it actually changed anything. But he, he was confident that he had made changes that would fix it between his starts previously as well. And then he got into those starts and guys, it didn't look fixed to me. So if I am in John Mosellock's shoes, I've got some trepidation about signing Adam Wainwright this offseason to a guaranteed 10 plus million dollar deal. And the reason why is because I don't know what happened down the stretch. This is a perfectly logical explanation. Is it going to be good, though, from start to finish next year? I don't know how you can have the same amount of confidence going into this offseason of that being the case as I had last year with Wayno. And that is not me doubting him. I guess maybe it is to a degree. But the reason why I think it's a really important decision is because of the opportunity cost that is lost if you do decide to bring him back. Because somebody else on the text line said, hey, why don't you just bring Wayno and Quintana back? Because Quintana ain't signing with you if you're bringing back Wayno. Because there's no spot in your rotation at that point in time. He can see it as much as we can. He's going to sign where he can start. And he should. He's good enough to do that. If you bring back Wayno, I think it means you're not signing another starter. And that gives me some some concern so so here's my pushback on this please what's your what's your alternative if it's not bueno in terms of that number one because you're not getting verlander you're not getting jake i DeGrom. don't know that to be true on a one-year deal if i can go out there and get one of those guys i know it's going to be crazy money well, why would verlander come here when he's on a team that's competing for a world series right now that maybe i don't know bring what the astros back. plans are I don't know what I mean, they got the pieces like. in place that would want to continue to compete. And if I'm Verlander, I'm going to st- where's this stuff at? It's what Greg Wyshynski told us about the players. Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. I, I mean, Jacob DeGrom is break, great, but he breaks also. But the upside with DeGrom is at a totally different level. Understandable. Carlo, but I mean, it also didn't work for them. I mean, he was great in the postseason, but it didn't get the job done. True. Carlos Rodon is a player that everybody's going to bring up, but you're not getting him for a one-year deal. And I don't think they're going to go out there and give a four-year, five-year contract. So your other only other option is to make the trade. And look, if Cleveland's going to be willing to listen on Shane Bieber, I'm going to make the phone call. I, I mean, Tampa loves to sell off pieces. Do they want to listen on Tyler Glass now? Probably not. You can look for the ace on the trade market, but you got to be willing to trade those pieces that you weren't willing to trade for Juan Soto. Or you just stick with what got you to this point this season and go spend in the area that has kicked you out of the playoffs in two straight years. What would you spend on this offseason? I would spend on a shortstop because I think that is the position that is in dire need. And I think that is the position that gives you the best option in terms of the big bat in the lineup. Yeah, I, I would look at bringing back Wino just because of kind of what Alex was saying. I, I'm not sure you're going to be playing in the market of the top-end guys. So bring back a guy that you think you – I understand that he struggled in the last six starts. You didn't really see those adjustments. But, I mean, I think they were going to start him in game three without seeing those adjustments if they got to that point. They were going to go based off of the veteran experience. So I think they'll buy back into that. And if they're going to spend big, I, I think it's going to be on the outfield because I can't even see him swimming in the shortstop waters. Like, I just can't <laughs> see that either. <laughs> Excuse me. And by spending big, you mean Brandon Nimmo kind of spending yeah, big. Like, like a Dexter tw- Fowler type not of a contract. 20 million dollars, like 15, probably 15, 17. 15, it's the Dexter 18. Fowler deal. Yeah, looking for a guy that can do that. And it's because 
they only have maybe one true everyday outfielder right now that they view, and that's Carlson. And then I don't think they will start Walker up in the big leagues. They'll start him in the minors and hope that he can come and fill in for whoever is that third outfielder that's kind of has the stopgap. Then you look for that other guy that's the third or going to be the everyday guy, and that's who's on the free agent market. I think that's the route the Cardinals are going to go. I think that they probably will as well. I would like them to explore this option opportunity. I don't know. I, I'm with you, Alex. If DeGrom ends up signing like a four-year deal, I'm not interested in that. If Justin Verlander stays with the Astros, that makes all the sense in the world. And if you're now down to the trade market and you decide the asking price is exorbitant and you're not willing to meet those demands, I totally understand that as well. And in that scenario, sign Wayno, bring him back. No harm, no foul. You're in a fine spot. That rotation of five is fine. You could get through next season and then maybe even at the deadline, there becomes another front end starter that is available on the end of his deal. And maybe then you make a big deal to, to be able to acquire that guy and you fix your number one starter problem if Flaherty has not become that. I could see all of that. I at least want him to explore the market, though. I think it is worth over the next month or so prior to free agency thinking around what this would look like if they could explore these opportunities for a legit number one starter. In 15 minutes, we're getting into some NFL quick hitters. We'll get to you guys' questions and answers at 1145. But coming up next, I think there is one player on the Blues roster that is the most intriguing to me over the first two weeks of the season. We'll tell you who that is and whether or not his line could become an identity line for the Blues. That's next here on BK and Ferrario. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. In about 15, 20 minutes, we'll get to some questions and answers. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. But Alex, the blue season officially begins on Saturday night while the rest of the league has played, I think, 27 games. Yeah, but it's fine. Season's almost over for half the teams in the Central. But the Blues start on Saturday. The Blues made some moves earlier. The last Was it last night when this happened mm-hmm. officially? Uh, Josh Levo, Jake Neighbors, they're back. Who... Who saw that coming? Yeah. What? What? Yeah, it was so a real shock. They were just sent down. Hey, who could have seen Ain't it coming? Ten day like minimum. My and goodness. Earlier today in Charleston, as the Blues were practicing, uh, they took the ice with the following lines. How did they get there that fast? Brandon Saad, Ryan O'Reilly, and Jordan Cairo. They were in Massachusetts. Buchnevich, Thomas Tarasenko, as expected. In Your third line. Private jet. Neighbors with Braden Chin as the center and Ivan Barbashev on the right wing. And then your fourth line right now is Walker, Achari, and Levo, as expected. Alex, there's one player on this team that I think for probably the majority of fans and certainly for me is going to be the most intriguing piece to watch over the first Two weeks to a month of the season, and it's Jake Neighbors. I want to see what he can bring to this roster because I've been kind of trying to tamp down expectations all offseason. I don't think that we should go into the year expecting 15 to 20 goals. I don't think we should go into the year expecting 50 points. I can't basically say a day one, right, right, immediately rookie year, you're going to become Brandon Sod. It's hard for me to expect that out of Jake Neighbors. I hope he proves me wrong, though. I think it'd be awesome if you had a line of neighbors, Shin, and Barbie, or neighbors, uh, Brown, and Shin, 
and that line can give you a little bit of physicality that you didn't necessarily have night to night from the third line a year ago. I think there's a chance that that becomes an identity line for the Blues. Just as we've been talking about all offseason, they wanted to create that with their fourth line. You could have some of that with a neighbors and shin pairing as well. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the question if neighbors clicks and plays well on that line and stays healthy. I don't think it's out of the question to look at him as a 40 to 45 point player this season. And it really comes down to how he plays with Braden Shen and Ivan Barbashev. That's an intriguing trio. I don't, if Logan Brown was healthy, I truly believe Barbashev would be starting on that fourth line and Levo's probably not playing on opening night. Although it sounds like Torpchenko might be playing on opening night too, according to Craig Berube out at skate in Charleston. But that is an identity line, just like the fourth line is an identity line, but this one's different because this one has the potential to have at least one 30-goal score on it, and I can make the argument for two since Barbashev was at 26 last season, but you got an offensive line that not only performs offensively for you, but brings the physicality because Barbashev hits everything, Shen hits everything, including having five broken ribs, and then you got Jake Neighbors who plays that way. You got three guys that go to the front of the net, you got three guys that can play very solid on their defensive end, and it's not a liability having Jake neighbors out there because you got two very smart veterans on the line with them. I think this could be a valuable line for Craig Berube. I think you could see a career year or close to a career year for Braden Shen if things click, but you got to make sure that that line builds some chemistry together. And for everything I saw in preseason, when I think it was two or three games that neighbors and Shen played together, they contributed offensively. It's just a matter of how barbership plays. The comp that most people have for neighbors is Braden Shen. Like yep. the, the playing style, they play identical. The, the physicality, everything that he brings to the table, just driving to the front of the net. It, it seems like that is the comp for him. And so I, I find it really compelling. And I don't know if it's going to be too much of the same skill set on one line. I would say probably not because it's your third line. But I find it really compelling to have both of those guys working together in tandem. It's, it's one of the reasons why I've thought it would be really interesting to have Kairu with Thomas as well, because you've got two playmakers on the same line. I think it's why Buchnevich and Thomas work together so well is because they kind of see the game through mm-hmm. the same eyes. I think you could see some of that with Shin and neighbors this year. And I think it might bring out the best in both of them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. My biggest question on that line is who's the playmaker. And I think Shen is that playmaker, but Shen is a guy that Shen's a guy that plays hard on the boards and goes after the puck, but as the natural centerman he is in the position that he prefers to play, that's who creates the offense. But I think they can create an awful lot of offense from cycling the puck. I'll say this. Do you well, think that the best version of that line is that why you think it's with Logan Brown as the center? Because I think that's what you can get Shen from the wing and Logan Brown can create. Because Logan Brown's best asset is passing the puck. And I think Braden Shen and Jake Neighbors' best asset is retrieving the puck and going to the front Finish of the net. It. I think Jake Neighbors can be a brain inside. I like that comp. But I also think Jake Neighbors has a little bit more playmaking ability in his game. But it's just a matter of who's the centerman there. And I, I want to see what it looks like when Logan Brown's healthy, when Logan Brown can be the permanent center there and Shen on the wing, because I like the idea of that third line. Because think about it. That third line is going to be going up against, throw a Nashville Predators team out there. That third line is going to be going up against their third line, which right now has two guys who are playing in their second year in the NHL and Nino Niederreiter playing on that third line. So... Like, I would give the advantage to St. Louis. I think that third line, if Jake Neighbors can live up to the expectations, could prove that the Blues have 
one of the deepest offenses in the Central Division this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, for example, you look at what the Avalanche have, right? Because that's that's the competition that we're all thinking about in the back of our mind is how do the Blues overtake the Avs in, in the Central Division? Then certainly once we get into the playoffs. Their third line is JT Confer, who I don't need to see again this year, Logan O'Connor, and Ben Myers. Your third line should be better than that. It should be. But it's just a matter of all of those guys reaching the potential that we're expecting out of them. Like for Ivan Barbashev, last year he was a 50-plus point player. Can he be that again this year? Are they expecting him to be that? Or is it better constructed, as you said, with Logan Brown there, who could be a guy that is distributing to neighbors and Shin? Is Shin back to 100% this year? And if so, can he be a 25-goal, 60-plus point player again consistently as opposed to having it all consolidated into like a two-month stretch? Yeah. I think he can be. I'm expecting a big year out of Braden Chin. I think he's going to have a monster season for the Blues this year. Um, but I that's the line that I'm going to be honing in on because we know what Sod O'Reilly Kairou can be. We know what Thomas Tarasenko and Buchnevich look like when they're at their best. The line that we just really have no idea about right now is what that third line can and will be going into the season. Yeah, well, and I'm with you on the Braden Chin. I think the Braden Chin aspect of this is an area that people aren't giving the Blues enough credit for because Shen had a point-per-game season last year with five broken ribs. If he's healthy, I think Braden Shen could be another guy who's posting 70-plus points for you this season, which, once again, proves the point that I believe this Blues, if they stay healthy, can have one of the deepest offenses in the in the Central Division this season. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. The Blues pre- uh, season preview party rather is on Friday in Belleville, Illinois. I think Tanner might be serving one of his punishments out there on Friday. <laughs> Road trip. So excited trip. for that. You can join us out there at Copper Fire in Belleville, Illinois. We'll tell you more about that later on today, Saturday night. It is Blues versus Blue Jackets pregame with Alex Ferrario and for Joey Vitale. We already had that, man. It didn't go well yeah, for the Blues. Columbus. One. That's coming up on Saturday at 6 o'clock right here on your home for the Blues. 101 ESPN. In 15 minutes, we'll get to questions and answers. But next, NFL quick hitters, including why one former NFL GM says Mike Tomlin might be a name worth watching in the coaching cycle this offseason. We'll tell you who that is next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, let's get into some NFL quick hitters. In 10 minutes, we'll get into questions and answers. 65780 is the air comfort service text line if you have any questions for the show. Let's start with this, guys. The third best team in the AFC right now is blank. Let's assume that all of us have the same top two in some order or another. The Bills and the Chiefs will see them meet head to head on Sunday. Looking forward to that game. Dolphins above the Chiefs. The third best team in the AFC, though, Alex, is who? Good luck. Yeah. Um, Do I have to answer this question? Well, I can tell you who it's not. Well, yeah, I can list off like 15 teams of who it's not. Not the Patriots. Well, it's not the Steelers. Well, it's well, not can, the we, can we go off of his math real quick? What? I who it's not. And you said the third best team in the AFC. So four divisions, four teams, 16. And he goes, it's, I can name 15 teams. Oh, yeah, because all of us are so great at math in this building. It's called an exaggeration, Tanner. You're struggling, Try it man. every once in a while. God, I can't wait for you to eat hot sauce. We're not sure that's what's going to happen. Yet. Oh, no, we are. Third best team. Because Tanner rudely interrupted. Alex is groping today. Yeah, well. I'm actually in a good mood until Tanner walked around. <laughs> Sorry, man. You suck at math. Uh, 
God, I don't know. The third best team. I, 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 I think it's the Ravens. And I got to say that because they have probably the best player out of the rest of the options that are available to you. It's a tie between the Chargers, the Ravens, and the Dolphins. Tie for third. I agree with you. I, I think it's Baltimore, and I, I think it's because they have the best quarterback out of everybody else in that group. But Lamar's been really good so far this season, and I, I understand that the defense blew two big games, but they've only been trailing. I think what, what the numbers were heading into that game against Cincinnati, or maybe it was against Buffalo, where it was like nine seconds or something like that. And they've lost by three to Buffalo, and they lost by four to Miami. And yes, the defense blew those games for them. But I think the defense is going to ultimately end up being fine. Lamar's playing really well. I think Baltimore's the third best team, and I think they may end up at some point because, I mean, their schedule looks pretty easy until they're by, in my opinion. Tampa Bay is probably the toughest one on the road. I think they can win three the next four, and then we're talking about them being up in that top tier with Buffalo and Kansas City. I agree with you guys that it's the Ravens. God, no. You know I'm out on them. (laughs) Can I give you another team worth monitoring over the next month or so? The Cleveland Browns. Oh. Mm. And the reason why is because... I put them on the easy win category for Baltimore. (laughs) I think that they are right now an average team. And I think a lot of that comes from their quarterback position. Jacoby Brissett is not qualified to be an every week starter in the NFL. They'd probably be three and two if it wasn't for their quarterback after this last week. And they should be four. And, they might be five and zero. Oh. I mean, they lost by one against the New York Jets. They lost by three at the Falcons. That was Nick Chubb's fault. <laughs> yeah, fair. And then this week they it was a weird game at, against the Chargers because every Chargers game is strange. They could easily be five and zero. Oh. I think when. It's sick saying this because of everything that we know in the backdrop. But when Deshaun Watson gets back, if they're sitting around 500, they're probably going to make the playoffs. And that is not going to be a team that I would want to play in the postseason with their running backs. Deshaun Watson back at quarterback. Amari Cooper's having a pretty solid start to the season. And that defense has a tenacious uh, front seven when they're all healthy. I think the Browns might end up being the third best team in the AFC, even though they're not right now. I, I agree with you guys. Today, it's the Ravens. Yeah, I mean... I can see that. I, They have the weapons. It's just a matter of getting the right quarterback there. Their defense is up and down. Yeah, I, I would probably say they're going to be in the conversation with all of those, but the Dolphins get two a back. They're still a team that should be in that conversation. Definitely. The Chargers, if they could get a better head coach, they should be probably third by themselves. Okay, but my man Brandon like that. Bra- Brandon, what is it about that name, huh? It's a good question. We're a month into the NFL <laughs> season, a little more than that now. The best off-season acquisition was blank. Who do you guys think was the best off-season acquisition now that we are more than a month into the year? Brian Dable to the New York Giants. That's a really good answer. Yeah. I mean, I didn't expect the Giants to be a one-loss team at this point, and honestly, I think they might be the best team in that division. No, I'm sorry. The Eagles are the best team in that division, but they're right there probably at number two. Um, in terms of player... I've got two for you. They Gosh. both play the same position. I think A.J. Brown's the one for me. Yeah, A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill. Awesome. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Tyreke those are good. good for Miami, too. The, yeah. Those would be yeah. my two. The two additions that I think have just completely changed their respective teams are A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill. Not Juju Smith-Schuster with Kansas City? No. He's been fine. I can Khalil Mack with the Chargers? I can tell you the biggest flop of the offseason. Allen Robinson. Robinson with the Rams. Russell Wilson? 
No, man. No, no man. Fine. That's Nathaniel Hackett's fault. He'll be fine. Those are the two worst additions, both yeah. on the same team, the coach and the quarterback combination Yeesh. of Hackett and Russell Wilson. My God, that is atrocious. Kirk Cousins with the Vikings? Which oh, wait, of these, he's been there. Speaking of Daniel Jones and the Giants, Alex, which of these three starting quarterbacks is most likely to be a starter in 2023? Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, or Geno Smith? I can't believe we're just oh, going to <laughs> Guys. This is vomit all three of them. Gino's been good. I better be good. He's on my my starter this week in fantasy. Like, no BS. But is Gino good because he's got two really good wide receivers with him? Maybe. If you put Gino on the Giants, I don't think he's good. I, I don't know, man. He's been awesome. Like, legitimately spectacular. Well, everybody some wrote of, him off and he didn't write back. Dude, look up some of the highlights from him this week. He made two of the best throws that I saw from any quarterback this week. I, and I'm not kidding. In like triple coverage. Oh, yes. I'm with laying you. It into his that wide throw that hand. he made to uh, Tyler Lockett Tyler over Lockett. the top. Tyler Lockett's on pace right now for the most yards that he's had in any season in his NFL career. Awesome he for played my fantasy his career team. with Russell Wilson. Like what? It's awesome for my fantasy team. I still would say, though, Baker Mayfield. Just because I feel like there's going to be, although I don't know, I guess it took this long to get him on another team. So, yeah, probably Geno Smith. Geno Smith has been the best of all three of them. He has. Good God. By a sizable margin. What is happening? Uh, Tanner, do you remember Rich Gannon? Are you old enough to understand the Rich Gannon story? No. So Rich Gannon. Is this a movie or a real person? It's a real person. He's on NFL games, man. (laughs) Does the commentary for him. Rich Gannon was a career backup early on and then started briefly with the Minnesota Vikings, but he wasn't very good. His first six years in the NFL, seven years in the NFL. He had thrown 43 touchdowns and 43 interceptions. He was not a good quarterback. He ends up coming to Kansas City. He is a backup for them for the first few years. Starts for them for one year. Was pretty darn good for them. Then signs with the Raiders as a 34-year-old, Tanner. 34 years old. Good Lord. (laughs) And at 34... Over the next four seasons, is a four-time Pro Bowler in a row, was top five in MVP voting twice, including an MVP victory in 2002, a season in which his team went to the Super Bowl and played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had a late career renaissance. Can Geno Smith be this generation's version of Rich Gannon? He might be. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Sounds I'd- like it. I remember him with the Jets. I remember him like... He was terrible. He was awful. I mean, he was at the point where I thought Daniel Jones was last year, where I was like, man, you got to get that guy out of your organization and quickly. I, I think, though, if you had told me which one of these three is more likely to start, I would still say probably... Um, I would probably have to go Daniel Jones, just because I think the way he's playing, I think they franchise tag him, he's back. I could see Seattle deciding to get a quarterback in the draft and going to him right away. I think that's the reason I lean towards going with Daniel Jones. But I could also see where maybe Geno ends up being the guy that's still a stopgap for another year. So He'll be the Falcons quarterback next year. Something like that. Yeah, when they give up on Mariota. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, that's don't they have, didn't they draft a guy? Yeah, well. If, uh, if that dude isn't starting Ryder? right now. No, not right. Ritter. Hey, Ritter. Mario, Mario, Mariota? Mariota. I have Mario on the mind. So I don't know why. If he wasn't there that team would be Owen whatever right now hey yeah that's true they they've been covering the spread they're pretty good at least at that they and Cordell Patterson before he got injured was great for the Bears and the Falcons have the same offensive game plans what can we do to make sure our quarterback doesn't have to win this game for us like that's the entire game plan the entire game plan is let's run the fewest number of offensive plays possible 
and have our quarterback drop back in those plays the lowest amount possible. And if we can do that, we've got a really good chance to be able to win this game. They were down 21 nothing and running the ball still. Yeah, it, it's, it's weird to watch. All right, final thing here as we go through some NFL quick hitters. Mike Tannenbaum said something interesting the other day. Former NFL general manager. He was on Get Up on ESPN. Here's what he had to say about Mike Tomlin, who is getting ready to experience what is pretty clearly the worst season of his career in Pittsburgh. So David Tepper used to be a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I wonder if Mike Tomlin sits there and says, hey, you know, Sean Payton, he graduated with Drew Brees, became a free agent. I wonder if Mike Tomlin says, you know what? Wow, I could go to Carolina, have a top three pick, get a new quarterback, start fresh. Do you guys think that it is in play after this season in which the Steelers might end up getting the number one pick? That is very much in the realm of possible. Do you think it's possible that another team will look to acquire via trade, something I don't think we have seen since Herm Edwards was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. How'd that go? Hmm. Uh, It was okay. He he was really good at drafting. Otherwise, not a great coach. Um, Do you think that a team would look to acquire Mike Tomlin this offseason via trade? He's under contract, so he would have to get out of that, and I don't think that he would. So I think that it would require a trade if he was to move to another team. If you were another team, would you want to acquire him? I would want to acquire him, absolutely. I don't know if I would, though, because there are some names that are going to be available that you can bring in. Like Sean Payton's going to be the one that you're going to probably go after pretty heavily. The Chargers should go after Sean Payton. Chargers absolutely should go after Sean Payton. I, I, I don't think I... I don't think I would. I don't think I would trade for him. Uh, just because you're bringing in a coach to help start a team and he's still going to be kind of on the, the cutting the cutting room floor. That's not a word. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm not sure you used he, it correctly. Uh, probably word. not. He's going to get <laughs> he's going to get fired after a couple of years, even for how great of a coach he is, because it's a rebuilding process. I think the Broncos should trade for him. I, I think they I think somebody will trade for him. I, I think he'll want out of Pittsburgh. I mean, that's just a mess right now. And. If you're him, you don't need to sit through another rebuild. I I think somebody trades for him. I think I like the Denver one. I think LA the Chargers have a shot to potentially trade for him. Another team that I'll throw out there that I think could use an adult in the room would be uh, Arizona. I think they're a team that could also possibly go I to make that kind of move. I wouldn't want to do that if I'm him. I don't think I would either, but I think they're a team that would show yeah. interest. But those are the three teams that I could see easily moving on from their head coach this season. What about season. the Bengals? I don't think they'll move on from I don't Taylor. think that the Steelers would trade him within the division. Oh, like That's just a that crazy too. thought to me, but... I. If they ended up firing Zach Taylor, which they should have done after last season, even despite the fact that he got them to the Super Bowl. Unbelievable hate. Uh, that, would, that would be a really interesting squad for him. I think he could do a lot of good things Indy, with them. Indy might have interest, too. I don't know if they trade him in the to the And if I'm him, AFC. I'm going to the same situation. Don't have a quarterback. Bad yeah. situation roster-wise. If I'm leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is one of the most stable organizations in all of professional sports, I better be going to a situation that I think is a good one. Like, I'm not even sure that the Broncos is the right situation for him, but I could see how you talk yourself into it, right? You got a pretty good defense. You got a quarterback who, if you can get him right, can, we've seen in the past, be a very good quarterback for you. I think the Chargers make a ton of sense for him. And if you're going to the NFC... You know who this move just screams, even even though they're off to a great start? Dallas. Yeah. This screams a Dallas move. Jerry Jones is like, yeah, man, we got our head coach, and then we get knocked out in the first round. You know That's what? Mike Tomlin's available. Yeah, have a first-round pick. We'll go take Mike Tomlin off your hands. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, the Cardinals are no longer just competing against their division, especially with what we expect to happen within the division this offseason. We'll get into that coming up at noon. Questions and answers coming up next. We're right back to.
to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 5780 is the air comfort service tax line for questions and answers. Let's get to this one from the 314. Hey, Alex, an ESPN expert predicted the Blues to finish fifth in the Central yeah. behind the Predators and the Stars. Alex, please tell me why this quote-unquote expert doesn't have a clue and where you believe that the Blues are likely to finish within the Central Division. Well, it's not that he doesn't have a clue. It's he's dumb. Uh, same thing, right? Yeah. It's because they're doubting Jordan Bennington. They don't trust Jordan Bennington to be the number one goaltender, and they don't trust this defense. That's That would be my only explanation, and ESPN is not the only one. Our good buddy Dom over the Athletic has the Blues missing out on the postseason also. So um, Nashville is going to be a tough team, but Nashville is also a team that is very hot and cold, and Nashville's top-heavy. They've got the couple of superstars in Philip Forsberg, and Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne, but after that, they don't have depth. Their defense has got Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm, and that's about it, and they've got Yusei Saros. Those are all great pieces. I think Nashville will probably be top four conversation. I don't buy Dallas at all. I think Dallas has got two guys that never performed. You've signed Jason Robertson, which is great. Your defense is aging, and you lost one of your better defenders in John Klingberg. Jake Ottinger's good, not great. I think the Blues... And I said this yesterday, and I'm going to stick to it. I think the Blues can fight for the top spot in the Central. If they don't win the Central, I think they'll finish second place with Colorado finishing first. And then I think Minnesota and Nashville will fight for that third spot. I think, look, I disagree that they're the fifth best team in the Central. Like, I, I think the Blues are a playoff team. I think they're either third or they're a wild card team. That's where I think they end up finishing. I, I really like Nashville. I think Nashville either ends up finishing second or Minnesota finishes second ahead of the Blues. I think Colorado's still the team to beat, and I think they're going to win the Central, but I, I can't see them missing the playoffs. I think they either finish third in the Central and make the playoffs that way, or they finish fourth and end up getting one of the wild card spots. This really just comes down to what do you, how do you view the Dallas Stars? Because all of us seem to be in agreement that the Avalanche, the Wilds, and the Predators are going to be good. We think that the Blues are going to be good. I would put them in that criteria of the second tier in the in the Central Division behind the Avalanche. And then it comes down to how do you view the stars? If you think the stars are going to be really good this year, as apparently some of the projections do, then sure, I could understand how you get to the Blues finishing fifth. I don't agree with it, but I could understand how that would be, at least in the realm of possible. I I don't view it that way. I think that the Blues will finish right in the same area that they were a year ago, where it's the Wild, the Blues, and I think the Predators battling for 2-3-4 in the Central Division. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the 618. Guys, what do you think are the odds of the... Cardinals acquiring Trey Turner this offseason. Alex, I know this is a guy that you are particularly interested in. I don't know what the odds are of them requiring him. I would probably say less than 50% because this is just not an area that the Cardinals go into, but I think they should. I think they should absolutely check into this because Trey Turner is a playoff performer. I mean, you saw him hit a home run last night for the Dodgers and a double. I mean, the guy plays superb defense for you at shortstop. He's a phenomenal base runner. I heard Randy say this yesterday on the opening drive that he is the prototypical Cardinal, kind of what Nolan Arenado was. But 
he's going to cost money and you're probably going to have to outbid the Dodgers for him. Um, but I think you should go all in for him. I think the Cardinals have to get a playoff performer this offseason. And he's the he'd be the top of my list. Who do you guys think are like, I think we're all on the same page in terms of the likelihood of it happening. But we would all be interested in Trey Turner if possible. Who do you think is going to be in the running for the shortstops this offseason? Because last year was pretty clear who the teams were that were going to be in that bidding war. Who do you think they will be this year? Because I don't think that the Braves are going to retain Dansby Swanson. They have imagine being Dansby Swanson, by the way, had a pretty good year. Everybody around you on the entire roster, whether they're age 22 or like 40, like Charlie Morton and everybody in between, they're all getting extensions. And then there's you on an expiring deal, and they don't seem to be particularly interested in bringing him back. But I, I don't think that the Braves will be in it. Who do you think will be? I think a team that's going to fly under the radar will be Baltimore. They've already said that they want to spend. They don't really have a shortstop, and I don't know what their farm system holds. But And Turner's from the East Coast. I, I don't think the Dodgers keep Turner. I think the ta- Dodgers will have interest in Swanson because based on everything that I have heard, or not heard, sorry, excuse me, read, was that the Dodgers felt like they couldn't retain Turner because he wants to go back out east where he's from. So I could see someone like Baltimore being interested in him, maybe I Boston. I think the Cubs. Bucks, Cubs I think the Cubs, Cubs will have interest in one of these shortstops. I think Boston will finally say, hey, we're a big market. We should actually spend like a big market. Uh, I think the Dodgers get Swanson. I can see the Cubs getting one of these guys. I think. I can see the Cubs getting Correa. Baltimore, Boston's involved. It does make a lot of sense for Correa. I don't know if Minnesota will be involved again. I know they got Correa, but I don't think they're willing to spend what it's going to take. So I think those are the teams. Maybe what San Francisco's Detroit? in there because Crawford's, I think, deal's coming up and they're a team that has probably money to spend. Whether If they can't get Judge, maybe they push for a shortstop. Maybe that's kind of the route that they go. If they end up missing out on Judge, maybe they're going to keep Crawford. They've got him for one more year, but they could always kick him around. They could move him to yeah. second if need be. Um, and then maybe this is just like, hey, we believe that this guy, whoever it ends up being, Trey Turner, Swanson, Correa, whoever their favorite is of the bunch, maybe Xander Bogarts, we believe they're going to lead us into the next era of whatever Giants baseball becomes. Maybe they become one of those teams. I, I think it's a smaller group than it was a year ago. And I do think that that could help the Cardinals. Maybe not with Trey Turner, because he's going to have everybody wants Trey Turner. The guy's unbelievable. He does everything well. He runs. He hits for contact. He hits for power. He plays very good defense at shortstop. Like you mentioned, he's a prototypical Cardinal. Man, he's a prototypical baseball player. I get he fits every team in all of baseball. He could be leadoff. He could bat second. He could bat third. Wherever you want him to be, yeah, whatever you like want him to do. The Cardinals absolutely need. He's great. I, I think some of those other guys, though, I, I do wonder what the market's going to look like, especially a guy like Xander Bogarts. He's somebody that, as we've gone on further, I have become more and more interested in Xander Bogarts. Coming up here in about 15 minutes or so, we'll get into more likely to happen. You give us two scenarios. We'll tell you which one is more likely. But coming up next, the Cardinals are no longer competing against just the division. We saw that on full display in the wild card round. It needs to be a lesson for them going into the offseason. We'll tell you how they can apply that lesson coming up next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think the only team that they should contend with in the division next year are the Chicago Cubs. I think Milwaukee is taking a step back. Milwaukee had a chance to really be good. They didn't do themselves right. Uh, Cincinnati's already told everybody they're a rebuild. 
Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh, you know, so you don't worry about them. I think the Cubs will probably make an investment off the field with regard to free agents. They got a couple of kids in their organization they want to give more time to. So that'll be our contention. But the thing is, with the balanced schedule, we're going to play everybody. So we have to be good every day. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. That was Mike Claiborne on with the opening drive yesterday. If you missed any of their conversation, be sure to check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com. And the free 101 ESPN app is where you find it. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 1206, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Alex, I agree with Mike Claiborne. I think he made a very smart point there. The Cardinals are no longer just competing against the Central Division. In fact, I would say that the Cardinals have lapped the field in the Central Division or will do so this offseason. I expect the Milwaukee Brewers to take a step back. I think they are in that point in their cycle where they understand we can't do what the Cardinals do every year. They have to be self-aware of, all right, if we keep pushing, if we keep trying to add these veteran pieces on one-year deals that maybe they'll give us a better shot this time, we're eventually going to find ourselves stuck. And we have to go into a really bad downward spiral. I think you could see them move one of their starters this offseason. I think you could see them move some of those bullpen arms this offseason. I don't think that Colton Wong will be back. I don't think they're going to bring back like an Andrew McCutcheon. I think they are going to have to take a from being an 86 win team this year to being like an 84 win team that gets a little lucky next year to get to 84 wins. The Cubs, sure, they could go out there and sign a couple of key free agents. Do you think that that takes them from 74 wins to 94 wins? Because I certainly do not. And then you've got the Reds and the Pirates who are still going through their rebuilds. This is not a division where the Cardinals should go into next year's worrying about any of those four teams. The Cardinals aspirations next year need to be higher. They need to be on how do we try to catch the Braves, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Padres? What do we need to do to match those teams, not just in the regular season, but when we get into the playoffs? Much like the Bills, Alex, built their team specifically for the matchup we're about to see this weekend, where they said, what do we need to do to give the Chiefs problems? They went out and did it. They added pass rushers. They added everything they can to their passing game to be able to outscore the team they know they're competing with year to year. The Cardinals need to have that same mindset. How do we beat these teams that we are trying to overcome in the playoffs that now for the last almost decade have found a way to beat us consistently? Yeah, because let's look at the landscape of the postseason now that there are these play-ins and you got the wild card and you got multiple teams getting in. It no longer matters if you just winning your division. You got to be one of the top two teams in the National League if you want that opportunity to say that, yeah, we're going to be in the DS. And I think being in the DS should be mandatory for this Cardinals team every, th- every single season. Season because they say and they are viewed as one of the top teams in the National League. If you're going to be with the Braves and the Dodgers and the Padres, well, then you need to be fighting for those top two spots so that you can be in the NLDS. And if not, then you want to be the top dog going into the wild card. And I know you were going up against the Phillies, but let's be honest here. I mean, yes, we felt like they could beat the Phillies, but the way that they were playing, they weren't playing like a team that was going to get past the Phillies and get into the NLDS because their offense went quiet and their pitching started to fade away. You got to build your team the way that the Phillies built their team, saying, like, we need to get in because we know if we get in, we can do damage. Or the Padres, if we get in, we're going to do damage. There's no more of this, well, we won the Central, and that's a win for us. Now, that was four years ago when you were rebuilding this core that you were trying to get on board with. You've got a top guy in baseball prospects. You've got two MVPs. You've got young players who are really impressing in Major League Baseball like Ryan Helsley and Brennan Donovan. 
No, no more of this. Well, we went out and got Drew Verhagen to sharpen up our bullpen to get through the NL Central. No, it's we need to catch the Braves and the Dodgers. How do we go about doing that? Yeah, you got to find a way to close that gap. I- I'm not sure they'll be able to catch them maybe this offseason because I think the way that you catch up to these big market teams like the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets, who are spending $200-plus million, the Phillies, who are, I think, in that category too. The way you catch them is it's going to come down to can you develop a core in your minor league system? And the Cardinals seem to think that they have that with Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Michael McGreevy, some of these prospects that they've got coming up, and then supplementing them not with the big dog free agents, but supplementing with them with uh, your quality uh, one-year $10 million guys or guys that are going to get like four years, $15, $20 million, like the Brandon Nimmo-type outfielder or maybe a Dansby Swanson who may be getting a contract like that at the shortstop position or a catcher on a one-year deal that can come in and help fill that stopgap before Yvonne Herrera is potentially ready if he's still viewed as the guy that's the catching prospect of the future. That's the way the Cardinals are going to be able to close the gap against these teams. I don't think they can catch – I don't think they can close that gap just this offseason. I, I think they – I think they get closer to those teams, and they build to try and, okay, now let's take our first baby step. How do we get closer to the Philadelphia Phillies? How can we get to the point where we feel comfortable that we can beat them and get past them in a playoff series? And then hopefully you see some improvements from your young players within your system, and then you can supplement them more the next offseason, and hopefully then you can go and say, okay, we're not going to be spending $200-plus million. Now how do we get closer to the Dodgers? And that comes down to developing prospects, and that comes down to supplementing them in free agency, and I think it's going to be a slow process to get there. But yes, the goal is no longer just win the division. It's how can we close the gap on these teams and then stay relevant with them. And that's probably going to take, in my opinion, two years, three years before they're there. Six five seven eight zero is your comfort service text line. I want to react to that here in just a minute, Tanner, because I actually don't think they can wait that long to get there. But from the three one four, from a cost perspective, you can't catch Atlanta, New York, L.A., San Diego without young talent stepping up. D.C., Gorman, possibly Walker need to be big parts of what the next era of Cardinals baseball looks like. Outside help, not affordable for this team. You're absolutely correct in saying that the Cardinals cannot spend with New York or L.A. That That is true. They're not going to outspend those teams. I would argue that they can spend with Atlanta and San Diego. Those are smaller. Those are similar size or types of teams to what the Cardinals are trying to build right now. I would also add this. If you're waiting three years to be able to realistically compete with these other teams, well, now you're late waiting for potentially no longer being in the prime of Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt. Certainly Goldie will see on Arenado. I think he could probably still be at the back end of his prime at that point. But I think that this team needs to believe it can compete over the next two years. You are now in your window. This is it. I understand that this year was the final year of Albert and Yachty, and that was part of the storyline of the season. But man, when you look at the the wave of talent that is now coming up to shore for the Cardinals, this is when you go. This is when you hit the button and put the pedal to the metal and say, all right, let's do this. This is our time to be able to really compete within the National League. The hard part is the timing wasn't great for the Cardinals because the rest of the National League is doing the same thing. The pod or the, the Dodgers right now are in their winning window. The Padres in their winning window. The Mets are now officially going to go for it in the offseason. I bet you they try to trade for Shohei Otani. The Braves this next five years, this is their window as well. So you're competing in a time where... In the last 15 years, I can't remember a time when it's been this difficult to win a World Series coming out of the National League, and this is when you're going for it. But you got to go for it, man. You can't wait three years, or you have potentially missed that opportunity that currently exists for you. I, I know this is a different sport, but but hear me out. 
I think the Cardinals are in a spot that the Blackhawks were in back in 2009 to where they had Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith performing. And they're like, we've got two guys who could be MVPs in the National Hockey League, but we need that one more piece. And I know it's different because baseball is a bigger roster than what hockey was, but they went out and they spent all of the money on Marion Hosa. And they said, we need to get that last piece. I think the Cardinals need to hit that stage now where you've got these younger guys and you've got two MVPs in Goldschmidt and Arenado. You've got the Donovans. You've got the Gormans. You you hope you have the Jordan Walkers. We need that one big piece. We need that one piece that says, like, we don't usually do this. And I know that felt like it was Arenado and it felt like it was Goldschmidt, but I think that's why you get to the shortstop market this season and say they don't do this. But is the glaring hole, although catcher's a glaring hole and the outfield's a glaring hole, there's this big name on the market, whether it's trade or free agency. We don't usually do this. We got to throw the money at this because we feel like this window starting now. You can't wait three years for this window to get to the point that you're hoping to push. The other important thing that I think is is necessary to discuss when we're talking about the Cardinals now and then into the, the offseason. The Cardinals will go into next year with a hole. That will happen. There is no avoiding it. They cannot mask with studs every hole that they currently have on the roster. You're going to go into next season thinking one of these one of these areas is maybe not quite where you want it to be. You might not have that number one starter that we've been talking about today. You might not have that legit catcher that makes you feel the way Yachty did, where you say every year for the last 17, 18 seasons that Yachty or Molina is there. We don't have to worry about catcher. You might not have a top of the market shortstop. You might not have an outfield that makes you feel super confident going into the year. Now, you may have three of the four. You may have two of the four, but they will have to go cheap at one of those spots this offseason. That is how the Cardinals build. The Mets are different. The Dodgers are different. They will go into the season feeling like every single one of their areas, they've got the guy that they want to have in that spot, at least starting the season. The Cardinals can't do that because they're not going to spend $200 million. They're just not going to. Whether we think they should, could, would, it doesn't matter. They're not going to. So we need to know that now. And we need to accept that they're going to go cheap in one of these areas. Now, the question is, where do you feel most comfortable being cheap? For me, it's catcher. I feel confident that when I look across the landscape of the National League, I can go one for one at catcher with most of these other teams and say, I'm okay. Even if it ends up being a Martin Maldonado or Tucker Barnhart, whoever it ends up being, I'm fine with that. I don't think that that gives you a decided advantage at that spot, but by going cheap there, it gives you an opportunity to go more expensive and get maybe a Turner, Bogart, Swanson, or Correa at shortstop. Maybe then you go out there and sign an outfielder like a Brandon Nimmo, and then you bring in a trade of a legit front-end starter. I, I don't know how they're going to construct this thing. They've got a lot of different options going into the offseason, but the Cardinals are going to be short somewhere, and we need to know that up front. Last year was the rotation. I'm very curious to see where they decide to go short this year. I'm with you. I, I think if you're going to go short somewhere, I think it is catcher because I, I think you can get away with going with someone on the free agent market that's just defensive minded. And then you can use, you got Kisner that'll be there as well. And though Kisner doesn't put up like the numbers that Yachty did like in his prime where he can hit like 260, 280 and have like 20 home runs, Kisner's solid behind the plate. He's good defensively and he's got a decent bat when he's playing every day. I mean, we've seen streaks from him this past season. I think you can go cheaper there. Go get another defensive-minded catcher like Yachty is that works well with the staff. That's why I think someone like Barnhart makes a ton of sense. It's sure. like one year, maybe like $5 million bucks, if that. So like I, I think those that's the area you go cheap in. And then I think you can look to explore more of that 
But we're talking about that middle infield market if that's where you want to go look at. The outfield market if that's where you want to go look at. I, I think outfield is going to be their number one thing to do on their priority list. I, I think they're going to look for someone that is going to be the guy that can come in and be plugged in every day. And you know he's going to be there. You know Carlson's going to be there. And then you know you're going to have that stopgap until Jordan Walker is ready to go. I think that's how they're going to go into this offseason and be planning to attack that. I just... I, I am skeptical if they're going to go be playing in that big free agent shorts that market because it just does not scream what they, they have done, and I can't see them doing it this year. I thought they would have done it last year, and now that Wynn's even closer than he was last year, I can't see him doing it this year. One final thing on this. Do you guys believe that it is fair to say, or ha- how fair do you believe it is to say, the Cardinals' championship window over the next three years is tied to Jordan Walker being the player they expect him to be? I think it's tied to him, but I also still think it's tied to a couple of these. I think it's tied to Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman, too. I think I think those, those three guys three will guys, determine what the ceiling is for this team. Absolutely. And I mean, obviously, you got the Goldschmidt Arenados because they're the ones that are going to if they perform. But I, I, I think and, and I know it wasn't just going to be those two players. But I, I think with what John Moselock stated about the Juan Soto situation at the trade deadline of saying, like, we are banking on these guys. I think your championship window has everything to do with three players, Carlson, Gorman, and Jordan Walker. I think that's fair to say. I think it's on those three guys, and I think they are the they are going to be the ones that have the most pressure put on them in terms of they're going to be the guys that are carrying the offense. I think the I think pitching too, I think McGreevy is going to be one of those guys that's going to have a bit of pressure applied to him. And who's the other guy I'm forgetting in double A? That was a stud. Graceffo, thank you. That was the guy I was forgetting. Remember the Ferrario five. Was he? Yeah, probably. Oh, uh, but I, I, I think that those are going to be the. I think those are going to be the guys that are going to have all the pressure. But I think Walker will be the number one guy. I think they will hope that Walker can take the role of what they thought Tyler O'Neill was going to have this year, which was going to be that third impact bat. And when O'Neill didn't hit his stride this season, you saw what the lasting effect was for the Cardinals. They only had two guys that really carried the offense until Albert got going late in the season. I think their hope is that Walker can take that role and become the third impact bat that's here for six years in club control. take that pressure off of him by going out there and signing a third impact bat and making him a fourth impact bat. I would love for the outfield next year, starting out the season, to be Walker, Nimmo, Donovan, Newt, Carlson. That is a good group. That that is a group that you can win with. Donovan can play Donovan all over being the diamond. Like the guy that you throw out there, if, like um, what's his yeah, face from the Cubs, Ben Zobris. Yeah, get get him a day off. Like you, he can play second base one day. He can play third base one day. He can play first. He can be a DH. He so can who play are your in the starters outfield. though? Is it my starting outfield on opening day would probably Carlson, be Nimmo, Walker, Walker, Nimmo, and Carlson, and it kind of just depends Nimmo's on the fourth outfielder. Yeah. It depends on what the starter is that day and whether or not I'm going to put Carlson out there. If he doesn't hit right-handed pitching, then we're going to have to find something else. I like that, but you better spend some money on our shortstop then. Yeah. Oh, see, I don't... I I can't see them spending money on that shortstop position. If you get Nimmo, I actually think that that means you're probably getting like a Jose Iglesias. Because Nimmo's going to get 17... Seventeen million a year, probably? I I I don't think you're going to get multiple big-time commitments. I would rather spend the money on the shortstop. I just think they're going to view win as being so close. I can't see them going on that shortstop if market. Off season, win. If your offseason is bringing back Wayno, signing Brandon Nimmo to a five-year deal worth $75, 80000000 million, and you sign Jose Iglesias, and you get one of those catchers that's a defensive catcher, Tucker I think that's a perfectly fine offseason for the Cardinals. And I'd feel pretty good about the team going into next year. I think it's a... Off season that gets you into the wild card and then bounced in the wild card. You're See, better I, though I significantly better. than what you were this year. And the reason the reason I throw out that I don't think they're doing the shortstop thing because they like win so much is because we've heard 
I don't think the Cardinals have said this publicly, but I've heard multiple people say like, hey, like some of the numbers he's putting up and his skill set reminds us of who? Oh, Trey Turner, who's on the market. So like, I've heard that before. If you've got though, an internal candidate that way, and I, I've heard that before. Nolan Gorman was supposed to be the next coming of this individual, and how did that work out this season? Yeah, but I mean, it's his rookie year. Like, I, I'm I, gonna, I'm gonna, the Cardinals, and I agree with this philosophy. Want to see what they have in those rookies before ultimately going externally. That's fine. You're going to get bounced on the wild card again. And I think you're starting a window that you need to spend money on a guy who actually performs in the postseason rather than somebody you hope will perform in the postseason four years from now. Coming up in 15 minutes, is the Blues defensive core good enough to get them to where they want to go? At least one national analyst is eh, a little skeptical of that. We'll get into it coming up at 1230. More likely to happen coming up next. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's more likely to happen? They'll figure it out. BK and Ferrario's most likely to happen. That was bad. We were talking. Sorry, guys. 65780 is the Aero Comfort Service tax line for more likely to happen. You give us two scenarios. We will tell you which one is more likely. Let's start with this one, guys. We will be correct. More likely to happen. The Cardinals bring back Wayno or Quintana? Wayno. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be able to re-sign Quintana. I don't think Quintana is going to want to come back unless he's in your rotation. He, like it here. Yeah, he just wants to be in the rotation and he deserves to be in a rotation somewhere. I I may just be reading in between the lines and taking too much into this, but I think from Wayno's tweets earlier today, and this is what we do. We we over-exaggerate, we over-analyze. Hey, man, I've been reading an Instagram for 10 years with Yachty, so... I, I think... Well, that was fair. That, that was actually very spot on. I think Wayno's coming back. I think the way that he was posting that tweet was basically saying, like, I'm pissed off the way that this season ended. I'm coming back and showing you that that's not how, who I am. Can I give you a different read on it? No. I prefer you not. This is all speculation. I want that to be known up front. What if it is he didn't get the answer that he wanted to hear from the Cardinals and he wants Cardinals fans to know he's not the one that decided to end this. But then he said it's my fault. I know. He wants to be beloved. Like one thing we know about Wayno is that he wants to be liked. And he, ah. he is. He is beloved here you in can't, St. Louis. You can't chase that record to be a Hall of Famer anywhere other than St. Louis. I'm, what I'm saying is, what if the Cardinals decided that it's probably in their best interest to move on? That 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 is what I and I'm not saying this is definitely. I think your read is probably the mo, like the more likely to happen. What is more likely between our two reads? I think your read is more likely. I, I think there is a non-zero chance that this offseason the Cardinals say the best thing for our team after we just had this whole farewell tour for Yachty and Wayno is to close the book on that era of Cardinals baseball and to go out there and acquire a legit number one starter. And the only way they could realistically do that is by moving on from Adam Wainwright this offseason. Yeah, if you think you can acquire a number one starter, I just don't, I don't realistically believe they can acquire one of those guys, whether free agency or via trade. You got Shane Bieber. I would love Justice Bieber. If, If the Cardinals got word from the Guardians that they are willing to listen on Shane Bieber and they would be interested in a package that revolved around some combination of Tyler O'Neill and Nolan Gorman. Would, 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 would that be enough? Is that for reject button? No, but that's hold the on. button. <laughs> hold on. This is the hard part. You have to move on from Wayno if you decide to do that because Wayno would not be in your starting rotation if you made that move. I think if I'm John Mozalek, I'm doing what's best for the future of this franchise and I think I would have to hit that button. 
That's a Doug Armstrong move right there. That is cold and calculated. Cold-blooded. When was the last time we saw a cold-blooded move, though, from Mo? It doesn't happen. I can't remember the last time he let, like, a Not Cardinals icon. just Mo, it's the DeWitts, icon. too. Yeah, I was going to say. The DeWitts aren't going to let that happen. I can't remember the last time a Cardinals icon was, like, yeah. let go that way. I, I would say it's more likely Wayno comes back. And to your point on, even if he doesn't say he retires or he ends up going elsewhere and ends up playing for somebody else, I don't know if they would pay more for Quintana. I mean, he's going to get, what, $8 million, let's say. I mean, the four guys that they have in the rotation based on our projections from MLB trade rumors and then what Miles and Mike or excuse me, Miles and Michaels are the same guy. Michaelis and Matt have under contract. I mean, you're looking at $41 million between your four of Michaelis, Matt, Montgomery, and Jack oh, Flaherty. the ace. And then I don't know if they would add another $8 million to it or they would stick with the quote-unquote ace of Dakota Hudson or go with someone like, I don't, I don't know, that. Palante, Thompson, Libertor, McGreevy, if they are ready for that opportunity. Yeah, Maybe they go cheaper on that aces. fifth spot rather than adding another $8 million to the payroll for Jose Quintana. I don't think you can go cheaper on that spot, though. You went like you went cheaper on that spot this season and you had to go to the trade deadline and trade for two pieces. I think they're always gonna have to go to the deadline though looking for some Every sort team of pitching. I get it, but like I think you can avoid telling yourself that on opening day at the trade deadline we're making a trade for a starting pitcher by being aggressive this offseason. I just look, Shane Bieber would be the top of my priority list. I just don't know if you can get that done. I think the bigger issue for the Cardinals with their rotation is not just about next year, but what the future holds for it. Who is in your starting rotation in 2024? Michaelis. Oh, no, he's a nope. free agent. Matt's. Uh, that's one. That's that is like it. it. Dakota Hudson. He's got rights still. That, that's what I'm saying is like one of the reasons why I would be so interested in Bieber, for example, or signing a guy is because... And whether it's next year or the year after that, between Michaelis and Wayno, first of all, you got money open. And second of all, don't have a front-end guy, depending on what happens with Jack Let's Flaherty. all be real here. Cardinals will re-sign Miles Michaelis to a five-year deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that there is there's some planning that's going to have to happen this offseason, at least in part, because I think that part of their plan was they thought that Matthew Libertor was going to be yeah. one of those front-end guys for them. And he has not been that at all. I don't think that you can plan on him being in your rotation in 2024, much think, less being a front-end starter. I don't think Tim Kentz is even He's pushing like two, for that. three yeah. years away. Yeah. So, yeah, you're you're transitioning, that's for sure. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line more likely to happen. The Cardinals trade Jack Flaherty or the Cardinals trade Tyler O'Neill this offseason? Sure, Cardinals trade Tyler O'Neill. I agree. You're, you're, I think after this season, you're kind of done with that. You're going to go out there and find yourself more solidity when it comes to the outfield. I'm with you there. I I think it's Tyler O'Neill. I think Jack Flaherty would be selling low on, and I've said this a lot. I I don't think you sell low on Jack Flaherty. If they wanted to move Jack Flaherty, you'd want to be doing it if you were coming off a healthy, full, get 32, 33 starts. You don't sell low on a guy at Jack Flaherty with that upside that he has. So I think it's more likely it's Tyler O'Neill as well. More likely to happen. The Cardinals make a significant upgrade to their team this offseason or the Blues sign Ryan O'Reilly to a contract extension. Say that again. The Cardinals make a significant upgrade. Let's say the Cardinals sign a player to a 15 plus million dollar per year contract or the Blues re-sign O'Reilly. So that way we've got a number on what we would consider to be a significant upgrade. I think the Cardinals making a significant move is more likely. That's the way I was leaning to. Both are likely. I, I really believe Ryan O'Reilly gets a contract, um, but I, I will lean towards the Cardinals because, like, I think, I think you've had two straight seasons where your offense has gone just silent. That you have to make a significant upgrade. I'm at the point where I just think that I'm not convinced. I'm not 
at the 100% mark that I feel like I was a year ago where I thought, yeah, O'Reilly, of course, he'll get a contract extension when his deal's up that I'm now probably like 50-50 on that. And I do think the Cardinals will make a quote-unquote significant move around that $15 million range. Where it's at, I don't know. But I think they do make some sort of splash like that. I'm just not sold on O'Reilly being back next year. I, I've seen the trend that's occurred with the St. Louis Blues. We just talked about it, being a cold heart and letting somebody go for the better of the franchise. That might be one of those moves that Doug Armstrong has to make next offseason. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. In 15 minutes, we're diving into the junk drawer. But coming up next, speaking of the Blues and the moves that Doug Armstrong has made, he's remade this defensive core on the fly. Is it good enough? We'll talk about that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I look at the defense. Does it look like a Craig Berube, Doug Armstrong defense to you? No, that's my point. Like I, I look at it like Scandella's hurt. Right now, so your your defense is Pareko, who's a big guy, Krug, who plays tough. There's no question about that. Oh, he plays that. hard. Just not, yep. not a big man. Justin Falk is a kind of a thick guy. Not the biggest guy, but he's thick. You know, Letty's not known for his physicality. Skater. Bortuzzo sure is. But yep. when they won the Stanley Cup, and, and you know Barube and you know Armstrong, they were mountains to get through. And that's the one thing I look at them and I say... Are they comfortable with this? The answer is yes. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made these moves That's to be constructed the way that they are. That was Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks. And I'm Brandon Kiley. I think people nationally have the wrong view of this Blues team, Alex. I think they had the wrong view of them going into last year because all you heard going into last year's season was, whew, Blues, they, they don't have quite that same grit up front. Are they going to be able to to play the way that Craig Berube wants to play? Yeah. You know what Craig Berube wants to do? He wants to win. <laughs> he likes winning. He believes in the mantra that the fun is in the winning. And the Blues did a decent amount of that last year. How? Because they scored a bleep ton of goals. It was as good of an offense as we've seen in a Blues uniform in like the last 20 years. So, yeah, the front, the 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 the, the line combinations, whew, that was tough to say. Take two. <laughs> they worked last year, and it looked a little different. They weren't the same grinded-out style, but they got it done with young guys like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo that took the next step. Vladimir Tarasenko, we know the story. I think the same thing is happening right now on the blue line. The Blues have transitioned. They are going with what the NHL is doing. You look around at the best teams in the NHL, what do they have? They have puck-moving defensemen, and they've got guys that drive to the front of the net offensively. And that's a combination that works. What does Nick Letty do? He moves the puck. What does Tori Krug do? Moves the puck. Same thing is true for Justin Falk. So, Alex, for me, to answer that question directly that we heard at the end of the Elliott Friedman cut, yeah, I think the Blues are very comfortable with this, and I think people have the wrong view on what the Blues are trying to accomplish with their blue line. I don't think it's that they're worried about the lack of size. I think this is what they want now, and I think that Doug Armstrong has been kind of signaling this with his actions even more so than his words for the last few years. Uh, this is the way of the NHL now. Like, look around the National Hockey League and find me a team that has the big, heavy, slam-you-through-the-boards defensive core. 
May I mean they they just added a guy that's not like that, but Calgary was kind of that way last year. But that was the closest thing that I can come. Yeah, up and with I mean Calgary's got those guys. Nikita Zadorov is who you're thinking of in that spot. But like they just acquired Mackenzie Weger, yep. Christopher Tanev is another one of those big bodies. But they also have that Oliver Shillington. Like you have a mix of those. And the Blues do have that still. Like, that's the part that I don't understand people jumping to conclusions and saying, well, this isn't a heavy defensive team anymore. That's not true. Like, your third pair, I, I would imagine a lot of teams are not going to be looking forward to playing against Nico Mikkel and Robert Portuzo this season because they play the way that Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick were speaking of that slam you through the board style of defense. Guys, Justin Falk is still a very physical defenseman. I believe it. it in terms of defensemen last season, he was top 10 in the National Hockey League in terms of hits among defensemen. So Justin Falk is still a guy that hits. But the way that the Blues are forming their defense is how successful teams play now. Look at the New York Rangers. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look at the Colorado Avalanche, the Nashville Predators. All of these teams, they have fast zone exits with defensemen who can skate. And they have defensemen who jump up into the rush and create offense. That's what the top four is now for this Blues team. Heck, their top six is this for this Blues team. Because Nico Mikola, we've seen, likes to jump up into the rush. Sometimes at the dismay of their players because then their odd man rushes the other way. But the Blues are going to they're going to get the pucks. They're going to move it quickly out of their own zone. They're not going to have a lot of turnovers, which is why they brought back Nick Letty. And they're going to create offense as a five-man unit rather than just the three forwards and the defensemen toe the blue line. I personally think that if they stay healthy, this is probably the best defensive core as a six-man unit, second-best defensive core six-man unit in the Central Division behind Colorado. I think it's the best the Blues have had, like, Unequivocally since 2019. Yeah, since they had Jay Bomeister, Alex Petrangelo, Colton Pareko, and Joel Edmondson slash when they brought Justin Falk yeah. in. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And I think the whole part of it in terms of them liking this core of it is because I don't want to say they had their 2019 Cardinals moment, but it kind of felt that way at the deadline where what was it that was truly the issue that they had? And remember, we were all talking like, oh, go get Chikrin, go get uh, who was it, Lindholm that was available at the time. And they went and got Nick Letty. We were all were kind of like, oh, Nick Letty. Okay, well, that nobody's expecting except that move. Except for Mike McKenna. Yeah, except for Mike <laughs> McKenna. And the reason they get Nick Letty is because he can just get the puck out of the zone. And, and that's what they just were missing. That was the one piece they were missing in their top four was another guy that could do that. And once you brought Letty in, you saw just the defensive core just kind of ease back into the form that you're expecting. Sure, it wasn't the big physical style anymore, but you don't need that. You need those puck-moving defensemen. And now that you have Nick Letty here for a full season, I think you're going to see basically what you saw in the second half. You're going to see Pareko, who's going to be more comfortable with Nick Letty you're not going to have those that like stretch from the start of the season until March where I was like holy crap they're still looking for a top four defenseman no I think you're going to ultimately be fine and that's why I think that the Blues are feeling comfortable with what they have going into the season and as you said nobody in the National Hockey League really has that grinded out heavy defensive style anymore do you guys know where the Blues finished once Nick Letty was a part of the team in terms of goals allowed last season yeah, we did this. I, I don't have the the same notebook that I wrote down all those stats well, in. But you probably should have kept that stuff. Yeah, try to be prepared. Are you a Boy Scouts man? Four. Come on, be Sorry. always be prepared. That's on me. No, 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 that's on me, guys. Uh, we did the comp- comparison from when they acquired him till the end of the season. I think they were top five in the NHL. Top seven. Yeah, they're seventh best in the National Hockey League. And in the Western Conference, they were like head to head with the Avs. They were third the best. The numbers was, for the Avalanche mm-hmm. versus the Blues going into the playoffs. They were basically the same it was when Colorado, it came to goal scored in, goals allowed. It was Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis in terms of the West once Nick Letty was acquired. And that was two months. 
You had Nico Mikola playing. Guys, you had Vince Dunn playing with Colton Pareko at times. Or I'm sorry, not Vince Dunn. You had um, like, Dan. Did I miss something? Vince, Vince Dunn. Dunn's back. Who was? Uh, who was I the, like that? <laughs> who was the defenseman that played with Colton Pareko for? Oh, uh, Jake Wallman, defenseman who identified as a forward. Yeah. Yeah, you guys know. Yeah, he he played with Colton Pareko for like a month last season. But not during that time that you're talking about. No, at about. the beginning yeah. of the season when the team was so bad. That's what I'm saying. Like, Nico Mikola held his ground a little bit there, but then struggled. Once you got a guy who was competent enough to play with Pareko, the goals allowed went down. Do people forget how awful this team was in terms of the injury luck that they had in, like, November slash December of last year? I don't. Between Matthew Pekka was playing in your top nine. Between injuries and COVID, this team was decimated midway through the season. They had that John Gillies character hey, we that got became a, a national sensation a while I was out. out. He kept the point. He kept the point streak alive for the Blues. You, yeah, you put some respect on John Gillies' that name. That for character played for him in a game. You got to win. I like this team. They were really good last year, and they did so despite the fact that they were playing with you, me, and some toothpicks and bubble gum that constructed a, pe- a, a player together. But yet, in some of people these are still doubting the fact that Thomas Grice could be a capable backup goaltender. He won't be as John Gillies. Gillies came in and got you a point in a shootout. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Grice can do that. <laughs> okay. Coming Send up in 15 break. minutes, the Cardinals can't fall into the trap of expecting too much from some of their young guys. I think this has a little bit of a blues feel to it. So we'll do that coming up in 15 minutes. But coming up next, I will serve my punishment. It is yeah, long overdue. Will. I apologize to all of you. We cannot get a working uh Paintball gun. gun. I promise you, we have tried. We have tried for a week and a half. No, more like three weeks I've been trying. So instead of taking one shot with a paintball gun, I will take four shots with the airsoft gun. We'll do that to make up for it. That is coming up on the other side. You guys get to hear it live here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Pay yourself with every purchase. Open and achieve a checking account today. Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. I will give you guys a sincere apology. Our full expectation and belief was that you would be able to see me get shot with a paintball gun. That that was the understanding, and we tried. That's why we put it on one of the punishments, because we believed that this was going we to be... We had the gun ready absolutely. to go. Absolutely. Had the pieces for it. Had, I think, 20 different CO2 canisters that absolutely. we tried it with. Yes. It just didn't work. And logistically, it was a nightmare to try to get another one. So, it, unfortunately, we, we can't make it work. So... Instead of seeing me get shot with a paintball gun, you will be able to see me shot on Facebook Live. If you go over there right now, 101 ESPN is where you can find it. Our guy, Mike Ryder, is getting ready to post it here momentarily. So you can go over there and watch it while you are listening on the air if you would like to do so. But again, my sincere apologies. It just couldn't work. We didn't get the paintball gun working because of the CO2. It wasn't an issue of not having a gun. It was an issue with the CO2. Nobody in the St. Louis area seems to look carry the, the refills for CO2. To get a CO2 canister refilled, you had a specific time in a specific week to get it refilled <laughs> in Swansea, Illinois. And uh, 
I have zero time to drive an hour away to get them refilled, and so does everyone else. So, so that's where we're that's at. why we are here. I was gonna get shot once with a paintball gun. Oh. I will be shot four separate brutal. times with the airsoft gun. Both were coming right from my booty. Oh, and I am I am are fully sure? prepared. Let's get, let's get that one up. All right, yeah, drop your pants me. too, right? No. Take his pants off? Yeah, you gotta drop your pants. All gotta right. get the boxers off. Do, do, do you think it should, it should Those I are flex? thick pants. Those are thick pants. Should I flex the booty? Is or this the I, first time I that somebody's be. been shot in the studio this season? Probably. Okay. Yeah, because the fast lane doesn't actually do their punishments. Oh, oh man. Oh, oh, BK said that. Not me. BK said that. All, All right. right. Are you supposed to be this close? I, am I supposed to be this close? Yeah, I think you're this close. Scoot back a little bit then. Oh, come on, man. All right. Don't get me too low. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. Three, two, ah. <laughs> one. Ah, it didn't work. It didn't work. Oh, no, not a dud here. Three, two, ah. one. It ah, didn't work again. <laughs> Why is it not working? <laughs> we have zero luck with these things. All right, hold on. What you just happen? practiced over I know. there. This is like with a paintball gun. Is it jammed? Is it jammed? Oh, God, I don't want to do like that. I like how you looked at yourself. <laughs> Three, right, two, one. Please work. No. Ah! <laughs> this is this has been our luck. Hold on, I'm gonna, gonna make sure the canister works. Why is Alex so bad at this? Yeah, I don't why think are you it's me. Oh yeah, they're about to. Hold on, it was jammed. I think. <laughs> but don't point it at me. All right, here we go. God, please work. <laughs> Three, two, one. Oh, it didn't work. Why? How did you break it after why one shot? You the way that you are. I don't. I just don't understand why this does to me. This Here. is like. Did we? Somebody ever... said cock it upside down. Oh, is that what the original? Okay, hold on. That work? <laughs> I don't know. Turn around. We're gonna try All again. Right, here we this go. Is hold great on, for hold radio. On, hold on. Let me get the mic. Three, two, one. Nope. Cocking upside down did not work. Oh my goodness. How? How? How are we incompetent? I, I don't understand this. We <laughs> tested it. We just te maybe it's me, Tanner. Come over here and see if you can do it. How is this happening? I, I, again? Maybe it's me. Here, I just <laughs> won't touch the gun. All right, I'll give you guys some play-by-play. -play. What happened prior to us coming back from break was Alex was tasked with practicing with the airsoft gun. It worked. It shot perfectly. Yeah, no almost, issues whatsoever. I almost took Tanner's eye out. The same thing that happened with his paintball gun. When he practiced the day before, we were supposed to do the paintball gun where I was going to serve my punishment. Alex did a practice shot. Again, worked perfectly. This might be a Riz Show jinx. The next yeah. day, <laughs> nothing comes out. This is an Alex issue. What I've learned is, is that Alex issue? has no idea how to use these guns. The gun. Tanner's doing it right now yeah, and is doing absolutely it. zero. All I wanted to do was serve my damn punishment. I've been trying to do this for two weeks. Maybe this I will be good. I've lost three hours of my life Maybe we'll from trying to serve this stupid punishment. Last week I tried to do it. This week we're trying to do it on the air. And you guys can't allow it to happen. I love how it's you guys can't allow it to happen. Like, I'm the reason that this airsoft gun is not shooting. Yeah, you are. Clearly. I, I legitimately shot it in studio. Almost took Tanner's eye out and it worked fine. And now it's not doing anything. This is a dud. <laughs> of course it's a dud. That's why you keep popping it 18 times. I know. This is a failure. Again, did we ever share the video of the paintball failure? Or no? No, we didn't shoot a video of the paintball failure. Yeah, we did. We've got pathetic. a video of it. My nine-year-old daughter needs to show you clowns how to operate an airsoft gun.
How? How can you guys even get to work? Can't find paintball guns. Can't find CO2. Now you can't work an airsoft gun. My son is eight. He can work, and he finds a way to do all of these things. Somebody else says, I feel like BK should get an opportunity to shoot the two of you now with how badly you have botched this entire situation. I I don't understand how we have been the ones botching this. The equipment has been botched. It's not like the equipment. You saw me shoot the airsoft gun when it walked in the studio and it worked fine. No. This this is is as effective. Matt's got a good point here on Facebook Live. This gun's as effective as the Cardinals offense in the playoffs. I agree. Uh, Absolutely. I I think that's a great point. I don't know. All right. Well, uh, we'll figure it out during a commercial break, and then uh, Lord, this will be man. good. We'll shoot you in the middle of the interview with Chris Kerber. This is another BKO. That's fine. I'll do that. Yeah, we'll shoot you with we'll Chris We'll do it Kerber. at 1.30. This is embarrassing for all of us. Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, coming up at 1.30. I apologize once again. I feel like I've had to do a this lot of apologizing think, for these two I think we just haven't failing. been hit by a BT fastball. No, all I'm thinking no. is I, let me just go grab one of the paintballs from my car, and we just throw it at him as well, hard as possible. It's not going to hurt at all. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Grant, I guess not having this work doesn't either. Doesn't either. The air feels great on his tush. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll play a game of this or that. I'm going to shoot you with this and that. Cardinals offseason edition. But next, the Cardinals can't fall into the trap of expecting too much from young guys, kind of like these two, falling into the trap of expecting too much from the airsoft gun. We'll do it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And that's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. They figured out the airsoft gun. It took 15 minutes. And a real adult work on it. Took four different yeah, individuals <laughs> trying to so figure out how to blame do it. it on us. But we, we figured it out. The airsoft gun is now working. I will serve my punishment. Oh, we'll God, do that momentarily. If you want to see it live on the 101 ESPN Facebook page, you can do exactly that in 10 minutes. We'll do a game of this or that Cardinals offseason edition. I've got five different cardinals offseason possibilities you tell me which one you guys like the most so we'll do that coming up here in about 10 minutes or so and here momentarily we'll talk after i get shot in the booty four different times uh we'll talk about why the cardinals can't fall into the trap of, of expecting too much from their young players you want to do this now let's do this right now right, though let's do this i have lost or i previously lost three straight weeks in the pick challenge I have served. I've served two of my punishments, right? Yeah. Yep. Or dress. <laughs> and uh, a lot more handcuffs the for a week. The worst one so far was the handcuffs for a week. No doubt about it. One? That was clearly the know. worst one. The beer mile was definitely the worst we'll one. See, we'll see yeah, what this I one ends up going like. I They couldn't figure out the paintball gun, so I will serve four shots to the booty. He is very close. <laughs> like, really close right now with that gun. Uh, he's got an airsoft gun. It's going to shoot me four times in the really butt. angry. Tighten up. Tighten the cheeks. <laughs> Heard that before. Here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. Ah! I didn't like that one, Pitt. That went through. That, that, that one went that through. That was right in the right cheek. <laughs> that one went through. A little, a little to the left of the mole. That was, that oh, was we not went too fun. fast. I, wait. All right, here we Did go. you say a little left of the mole? I didn't say anything. <laughs> Dude, I want to know that. <laughs> Good Facebook Live? All right, Facebook Live's up, so right, we, got we got three, three more, more to watch. Can you scoot a little to the left so the Facebook Live can see? All right. We know you can scream that loud. All right. All right, ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I didn't like that. Oh, that was worse. Oh, 
no! Oh, I didn't like that! Oh, why are you so close? Oh my god! God, there's like... How long have we been doing this show together? Two years? I didn't like that at all! How long have we been doing this show, t got two more? Yeah. Oh, come on! Ready? No! Alright, I'm aiming left cheek. Screaming my name. Three, two, one. Ow! Oh yeah, that was Feels a direct like I got hit. Bit in the ass All right, hold on, I gotta grab the last thing. Oh, oh, god, that one felt good. Oh, jeez. All right, you ready for this last one? Oh, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> oh, hold on, this just bounced out. Oh, there's nowhere you can aim because it hurts all over. Say, where are you stinging the most right now? Right. Well, the last one hurts pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie to you. Well, turn around and stop That first one in comparison was nice. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. That was a misfire. I, I think we get one more. I hit him in the back on that last one. I didn't like that one. <laughs> didn't like that you didn't even react to that one. <laughs> yeah, that one hurt. That one that was well fun. worth it. How long uh, have we been doing this show together? I think those second two... Uh, those hurt. <laughs> those didn't feel good at all. I was really. I, can't I can feel the exact spot. I, I kind of want to feel the, the one. The I've never been one, shot before. You want to be shot? The I second one hit to. me in the ass right there. I, uh, the third one hit oh. me right there. Oh, I truly. And I, that's how you're at, sir. <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to go three fire and not even count down <laughs> for the rest of the way. That's what I was hoping I you were going to do. I didn't think of that, Ryder. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. That felt really good. Now I will say. I test fired the paintball gun when it actually worked at home, and the way that that doing? came out. Uh, ow! Why are you doing that? <laughs> I said I really wanted to. I didn't think you were going to do it right there. Come on, man! Yikes! All uh, right, I, I test shot that paintball gun. It was way louder um, uh, yeah, than it I expected. Oh more. man, I don't think you would have been able to handle that. All right. Coming up in 10 minutes, we'll do this or that Cardinals offseason edition. My butt still hurts. Damn, that one did hurt. Ryder got me on the side. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't feel good. <laughs> Shoot, that was only one of them. Right now, though, I was listening to the Fast Lane yesterday, and Brad Thompson said something very interesting. Here was his comment on Jordan Walker starting next season with the Cardinals. When you're looking at the outfield, uh, outside of Aaron Judge on the outfield market right now, like... Uh, I, I'd rather see Jordan Walker than a lot of these guys. It's like Jurickson Profar, like Jock Peterson's still a good fit for you and, and would be. I like him still. You got Brandon Nimmo, you got Joey Gallo, a lot of swing and miss. I'd rather see what Jordan Walker is. And to me, it's not about money. It's about you get a chance to see potentially the future and let him grow at the big league level. So here's the list of outfielders. You guys know I'm I'm a maniac when it comes to the offseason. This is like my favorite time of the She's year. I, I love this time of the year. Here's the list of outfielders that I think are interesting. And this is not even guys that I think necessarily fit perfectly with the Cardinals. Just guys that I find interesting. If Aaron Judge isn't on this list, I don't believe your list. He is Aaron Judge. Okay. Andrew Benintendi. Michael Brantley. Injury issues there. Adam Duvall. Brandon Nimmo. Michael Conforto. Big time injury issues there. Jock Peterson, Andrew McCutcheon, end of list. Right. There are not very many quality outfielders expected to hit the market this offseason. Like, you can make a pretty strong case. Corey Dickerson is going to be one of the better outfielders that's available this offseason. And that's saying something because we just experienced that for a full year. It was up and down to say the least. So, Alex, I, I think that he's right and that the Cardinals probably will and maybe even arguably should be expecting Jordan Walker to be a significant contributor going into the uh, going into next year. Here's my problem, though. 
if you're going into next year with Jordan Walker, Lars Newtbar, and Dylan Carlson Oof. as your starting outfield configuration, there are there are so many questions about all of those guys I'm, going into the season. I'm not as concerned about Dylan Carlson and Jordan Walker. Find me a spot filled by so that Lars Newtbar is not my everyday outfielder. And maybe that's Tyler O'Neill. Like, if they just bring back the same dudes that they finished the season with, and then instead of Corey Dickerson, you have Jordan Walker on the team, is that good enough? Because my answer is no. Well, I gotta, think you have to go out there and acquire somebody. I th- I'd be fine with that if you signed Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, or Xander Bogarts to play in the infield for you. I would be fine with that outfield because you are banking on guys to come through, but isn't that the whole point? Like that's how teams are successful. They have guys that step up in the big moments for you. When guys show you who they are over multiple seasons, I think eventually you have to listen to them. And Dylan Carlson right now, I still believe he can be a good player for the Cardinals. I don't know what that looks like next year. I don't. And I don't know how anybody can realistically tell you, hey, his left-handed swing is going to be right. He's going to hit righties extremely well. And he's going to be an everyday player for you. Maybe. The good thing is you I can't see righties a lot. I, I can't go into next year's expecting that, though. Well, but my thing is, all of those names, with the exception of a couple, I don't have that much confidence that they're going to come in and be that player that you were missing in the outfield. Whereas if I just have to bank on Tyler O'Neill coming through and Jordan Walker being the stud that you're hoping he is and Dylan Carlson playing well, and Lars Newtbart playing well, and then you've got the Alec Burlesons and the Juan Yepeses that could fight for those. Go get me something that I can guarantee is going to be good for me all season. And that's the shortstop position that's sitting there waiting for you to pounce on rather than if you get Brandon Nimmo. Awesome. But you just said he's got injury concerns. If you get Michael Brantley. Awesome. But he's got injury concerns. You're not getting Aaron Judge. And then you're getting into the middle of the Walmart aisle bargain bin looking for something that can hopefully pan out. And you just did that with Corey Dickerson and it didn't work. Yeah, I'm with you there. I understand the concerns with it, but I would still look for a guy in the outfield in terms of finding that everyday guy. And I know Nimmo has the injury concerns, but at least when he's healthy, I, I know what he is. And, and I I would bet on that. Unlike when Tyler O'Neill's been healthy, I still don't know what he truly is. Carlson, I don't truly know what he is. So I would bet on Brandon Nimmo. And I, I would be very cautious in going into the season with Jordan Walker on the opening day roster. If he plays well out of training camp and he ends up earning it, fine. But I wouldn't plan on him being my opening day roster. I would plan on him being there about maybe uh, June. June, July is probably when I would expect you the Jordan Walker's there. what you did this year with Gorman. Uh, Nolan Gorman. Yeah, and exactly. You say, Listen, if Nolan Gorman, I think if Nolan Gorman had a really good spring training, he would have broke camp with the team. I think they were hoping that that would happen. And then he didn't. He wasn't very good in spring training. He appeared to need a little bit more time down in the minors, which is fine. And same thing will be true for Jordan Walker. If Walker proves in spring training, hey, probably needs a little more seasoning down in AAA. Needs to at least go to AAA before starting the year in the big leagues. That's fine, man. He's 21 years old. BT listed the list of players uh, this year that played in, in the major leagues that were 21 or younger. It's five guys. Getting to the big leagues this quickly is extremely rare. And if Jordan Walker is able to do it, it is a credit to that dude that he was able to get here that quickly. But him not being ready to go by opening day of next year should not be a knock against Jordan Walker. Absolutely not. It's just the reality of how difficult it is to develop on the timeline that the Cardinals are hoping that he does. And in order to guard against that, I think you've got to go out there and get somebody that is basically your insurance policy of... If Jordan Walker isn't ready, or if Dylan Carlson can't hit against right-handed pitching, or if Lars Newtbar takes a step back and is more of a fourth outfielder than a starting outfielder, 
If any of those things happen, then we've at least got this guy in place, kind of like Corey Dickerson was this year, where is he an everyday starter? Maybe not, but he can. we know what we're expecting out of him. And that's where I think Andrew McCutcheon is a really interesting player for the Cardinals. I like that one. Is he great? No, but I kind of think I know what I'm getting out of him. He's going to be right around a league average hitter. He's a pretty solid defender. He's a veteran, and he's, he's going to get the job done in the outfield. That's kind of the type of player that I would expect that the Cardinals go out there and acquire as an insurance plan. And if he ends up being your fourth outfielder next year, no harm, no foul. You're not paying him $30 million. This is a guy that was brought in to start a couple of times a week, three times a week in a best case scenario. I got to get another. I have to get another everyday outfielder, though. I don't want to play the platoon game all season long, and I know you can, but I just I want to have some confidence that two of my three outfield positions are locked down. So this gets into what our next segment is. You don't want to have the platoon in the outfield, but if you had an everyday shortstop that you trusted, a guy like a Trey Turner or Xander Bogarts or Carlos Correa, maybe you'd be okay with that in the outfield. What about if you have the number one starter? Are you then okay with going cheaper on the outfield and the shortstop? If you have a catcher, the only one that's available that's going to be expensive this offseason in Wilson Contreras, what does that mean for what you need and the starting pitching, shortstop, and outfield markets? We'll talk about that and give you some of the options on how the Cardinals could spend their money this offseason when we get to a game of this or that. Coming up next, you're on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. Or that. The way that I'm going to describe this to you is you could have a little bit of this or you could have a little bit of that, Alex. And it's the Cardinals offseason edition. You think of what I'm thinking? You could get with this or you could get with that. T-Bone. What are you thinking? Oh, Tanner, you, you can do you get not with have this. On? You can get with that. We, we, oh, you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. Crisscross will make you jump, jump. This isn't crisscross. I don't understand what's wrong with you guys. The Mac Daddy make you Pretty sure it's Chris Cross. Okay. No, it's not. I'm looking at well, it. Well, the whole the, the game concept came from that song, of course, and it's from very Black simple. Sheep. There are Amen. a few different Chill. options that the Cardinals could go through this offseason, and I've got them spending anywhere between 30 and $50 million, depending on which route they decide to go. This is Ooh. adding payroll to what they currently have on the books. Spicy. So, option number one. It's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure, if you will. Expensive outfielder. They add one expensive outfielder, and that's their big offseason acquisition. So this would be, I think, Brandon Nimmo's the headliner for the outfielders this offseason. For SpotRec, they've got him projected to earn a contract of four years and $60 million. About $15 uh, yeah. million dollars per year. So you get Brandon Nimmo. He is now patrolling center field for you for the next four years. Jose Iglesias is going to be starting for you at shortstop going into next season. We have kicked over Tommy Edmond to second base. Brendan Donovan is now in a utility, super utility role for you. Tucker Barnhart has just been signed by the Cardinals. He, this is not breaking news. Just so you, if you're in the car, this didn't actually happen. But this is the the scenario. Wait, you're saying they can't sign people when Tucker the Barnhart signed a one year deal worth five million dollars, and they brought back Adam Wainwright on a one year ten million dollar deal. 
So you got Nimmo, Iglesias, Barnhart, and Wayno. Or Alex. Nimmo, Tucker, Barnhart, and Wayno. Iglesias. And Iglesias. Okay. And the expensive shortstop option. Would you rather have what I just mentioned or Andrew McCutch is, n- is now in your outfield instead of, N- instead of Nimmo? You have signed one of, all of them at the same cost, let's assume. Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, one of those two okay. at $30 million per year. Martin Maldonado is your catcher for one year, $5 million, and you brought back Bueno. So the difference is here, it's basically the same on catcher. You got a one-year deal worth $5 million for your catcher. You got Bueno in both scenarios. You got Justin, or excuse me, you got Trey Turner or Carlos Correa at shortstop, and you got Andrew McCutcheon on your side, or you got Iglesias and Brandon Nimmo. So question for you, if I go the route of the shortstop with Andrew McCutcheon, do I still have Tyler O'Neill? Dylan, do I still have the players that are on this roster in this scenario? O'Neill's gone. O'Neill in every scenario. So gone. O'Neill's gone. Yeah. He's in every in, in any of these scenarios, Tyler O'Neill is somewhere else. He's been traded for a prospect. Okay, so my outfield in the shortstop scenario is Dylan Carlson, Andrew McCutcheon, Lars Newtbar, and hopefully Jordan, Jordan Walker. Walker. Okay. Which of those two, this or that, would you prefer? Now, your scenario is more expensive. Alex's scenario of getting the shortstop is about $50 million. Oh, I don't know. Tanner's scenario of the expensive outfielder hey, is about $30 million. It's not my money. It's DeWallet's Which money. one of those <laughs> would you prefer? I would prefer the shortstop route, Trey Turner or Carlos Correa. Uh, I think a lot of people will probably side with the scenario of Brandon Nimmo and Jose Iglesias. And I can understand that because you're still getting a shortstop who's really good this season. Um, and you're getting an outfield that is a significant upgrade. I just, I think I need to get myself a playoff performer because that has been something that has been lacking the last few seasons with my team. And if I go get a Trey Turner or Carlos Correa, I understand Carlos Correa is not in the playoffs right now, but if I can go get one of those guys, solidify that position and know that I have three legit bats that I can trust every single game for 162 plus. And then Andrew McCutcheon, who is a very qualified outfielder for you better than the other options you've got. And then I'm putting a lot of faith in Jordan Walker, but I'd like to see him grow into the role. I would go that direction. I think I would go the Nimmo one because I think you end up getting a everyday outfielder, which I think they need, and I think it's at the number one on their list, and I'm not blocking Mason Wynn. Now, granted, I could see them where they could develop him some other position, but I think shortstop is where they want him at. So I'm not blocking him. I'm getting the stopgap with Jose Iglesias. I get Tucker Barnhart, who's a fine defensive catcher, and Adam Wainwright's back. So you got your five-man rotation. It's basically locked up. I think you're a more complete team going that route than you are spending big on that shortstop position in which you are going to be kind of blocking Mason Wynn at that position. I will say this, though, looking at that lineup and just kind of going through what I think that lineup might be on opening day, it does lack a little bit of power. And granted, the regular season, that may not be such a bad thing, but as we know in the postseason, slug, baby, slug. you got to find a way to hit home runs. Gorman I'm, and I'm, Yepes would be counted on. That's what I was about to say. You are God. banking on Gorman, Yepes, and Carlson to have a bit more bring more power to the table this this coming season, and also having Jordan Walker, when he gets there, have some power as well around that 10 to 15 home run mark, probably, depending on when he gets called up. But I, I do think you're more of a complete team if you go that route and sign Brandon Nimmo, because then you solve part of the outfield issue where you get another everyday guy that's going to be out there with Carlson. Nimmo's going to play center field. You can shift Carlson back to his natural position and right. Then you can kind of go with... 
Donovan or Newtbar or Yepes in left field, and then you can also platoon Gorman and Yepes at the DH spot. And then you have Iglesias at short and move Edmund back to his best spot at second. Couple of texts worth reacting to here from the three one four guys. If it's all a hypothetical dream, you need a better option in the outfield than Brandon Nimmo, uh, sir, ma'am, whatever it is. Uh, there's only one option in the outfield this offseason that is better than Brandon Nimmo. His name's Aaron Judge. He's not going to be a. Yeah, Cardinal. I can be Mister One Thousand Percent and tell you Aaron Judge is not going to be a part of this the team. The problem is there is no second tier. Yeah. It, it drops from Aaron Judge getting $300 million to Brandon Nimmo in the like 70 to $80 million range. There, there is nobody in that $100 million range that would be interesting for the Cardinals this offseason. That guy just doesn't exist. He's not on the market. So if you've got a name to throw out there, please feel free to do so. Unfortunately, that guy doesn't exist right now, at least in the free agent market. If somebody becomes available in trade, we can talk about them later. But right now, that guy doesn't appear to be available. Here's another option, this or that. We'll do this one a little quicker. A lot of the names are similar. Trade or sign a number one starter. So this is a Justin Verlander or Jacob deGrom. You're giving them $40 million for this upcoming season, one-year deal. You're also adding one of the cheap catchers again, Martin Maldonado, Tucker Barnhart, whoever your favorite is of the group. You're adding Jose Iglesias again. That's it. You're not adding anybody to the outfield. You're running it back in the outfield because you've already spent $50 million, 40 of which That's came still no Tyler with that number one starter. You've got, you're bringing back Tyler O'Neill in this okay. scenario because you couldn't add anybody in the outfield. You just don't have enough money to go around. Or you add the expensive catcher. Wilson Contreras, he's making 15 to $20 million per year on a three-year deal with the Cardinals. You bring back Wayno, you get Jose Iglesias, and you sign Jock Peterson or Andrew McCutcheon, one of those two, on a one-year, roughly 7 to $10 million contract. That's You're spending about $40 million in that scenario. Which of those two do you prefer? The number one starting pitcher, big-time signing, or you bring in the expensive catcher in Wilson Contreras? The Wilson Contreras one for me. Because I'm getting a big bat, I'm filling the hole in the catcher position, I'm still getting Jose Iglesias, and Adam Wainwright's coming back, and I'm getting Andrew McCutcheon. That I feel like I have covered probably, I have spread the widest net and caught the most that I needed to with that offseason and accomplishing what I need to with that team. I didn't see a fishing analogy coming in today, but I like big it. Big fisherman. I don't know if you know that about me. I didn't know big, that. Big into the rod but and reel. I I agree with you with your rod and reel uh, netting thing over there, but I do agree. I think you if you go that route, I think you end up providing more of a complete team once again. You get fill that catcher position. You get a shortstop. You get an outfielder that can go out there and be a guy that can platoon or be a starter if need be. And uh, you also get Adam Wainwright back and you fill back out the rotation. I, I think the Degrom one just limits you too much, and that's why I we hesitant to do a number one starter like that by going and getting DeGrom or Verlander. So I, I think I'm going with the Contreras route as well. Can I give you guys my favorite option? This is option number five. It's totally different. It's completely separate from everything. They don't do anything did. and they just run back the same roster this season. They sign Brandon Nimmo. They sign Jose Iglesias. They sign one of those cheap catchers and then they trade for uh, Shane Bieber. That That is my favorite option. And instead of being $50 million, like signing the number one starter or signing one of those top end shortstops, or excuse me, those are $50 million to, to get that big-time starter or big-time shortstop. My option is $40 million, and I've got Brandon Nimmo in the outfield for the next four years as my centerpiece out there along with Jordan Walker and hopefully Dylan Carlson. You still don't have that big bat, though. You still don't have that third bat. Nimmo becomes my number 2 hole hitter. Brandon Nimmo can bat second for me, and I feel good I, about it. But and then, then you're, you're relying on more pop from Gorman and all of these other guys. Gorman's probably gone. 
Oh, yeah, because you're getting Bieber. Your, your, your team is very... My team is reliant on Jordan Walker later in the season. If I'm going to make a if I'm going to make a push in the playoffs, Jordan Walker is going to have to be a big reason why, but I also have a number one starting pitcher. Your team's going to be very depleted in terms of the full season, uh, in terms of contributors, if you're trading those pieces to get Shane Bieber and then you're relying on these other guys. I disagree. I think that is a really good team because I think Brandon Nimmo is a better player than we're giving him credit for. Brandon Nimmo is basically better version of Brandon Donovan. If he stays healthy. And why are we putting another player on this roster that you're worrying if he's going to play 162 games for you? He can't be a great asset for your team if he's only playing 80 games. 100%. That, that is a fair retort. And in 2021, he played, I think it was 55 games. He, he has an injury history. However, when he was healthy over the past five years, the dude Pretty is like 30% good. above league average. And, so and was Tyler O'Neill as an MVP. Every, uh, but this is every year. Tyler say, O'Neill had one that, good season. They are completely different players. That, Brandon Nimmo has a super high on base percentage. He hits for contact. He strikes out. He would be one of the lowest strikeout rates on the Cardinals. Cardinals fans would love Brandon Nimmo. I'm telling you right now, they would love him. The question is the health. Yeah. If he's healthy, he would be a dude that this fan base would get behind 100% because he is everything that Harrison Bader was not. And he's still a pretty darn good defender in center field as well. So that that is like if I'm putting together a wish list for my offseason, I think Brandon Nimmo might be Nimmo and Jose Iglesias are, are right near the top, given what they are going to be for value. You, should mail, for that to, you should mail that to Mo's office. Coming up next, Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Right now, we're going out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, the week of the Blues' first game, as we are joined by the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, we appreciate the time, as always, my man. How you doing today? BK, I'm doing good. You know, I heard that, uh, just, just listen to that ad from Eddie about Maggie O'Brien's. It got me thinking. I love the fact that, like, a longtime place like Maggie O'Brien's or, say, Cyberg's down there or that Schlafly Taproom, these different places, the, the influx of what that soccer stadium's going to do, and that corridor from, from Centene Stadium through Enterprise Center down to Bush Stadium, I mean, it could really become something even special. I'm, I'm happy for those businesses that have been there a long time that are – going to see a bit of a boom again i think that's fantastic yeah they're going to be a boom for downtown like i think josh or jake neighbors is going to be a boom for Braden shin you this year it, how'd i do almost had <laughs> it. Kilo, one to ten, like a six uh, 4.5 <laughs> decent transition 4.5 <laughs> what are you expecting out of jake neighbors after he officially earlier today it was announced uh curbs made the club coming out of training camp yeah i don't need to see anything more than just what we saw in camp uh, I, I think it's so important for a young player to just, to not put extra pressure on themselves and to just go out and do the little things. And the one thing that has made Jake Neighbors, I think, a value to this team is he has done those little things. You can see his hockey smarts. You can see his hockey IQ is what they like to call it. And just the ability to get on the right side of the puck. His willingness to finish the check. You know, Braden Shen, now Jake Neighbors, uh, Noel Achari, from a forward standpoint, Ivan Barbashev will clearly bang around. There's only a handful of forwards that really is kind of who they are and part of their game. And I still think, especially even watching the you know those NHL games last night, or if you if you caught any of the games between Nashville and San Jose and Prague, 
that physicality is still important, and Jake Neighbors brings that. If, if he just keep it simple, and the game will come to you when you do that, and, and that seems to be an asset of his right now. Curbs, it sounds like Alexi Toropchenko might actually be an option for Craig Berube come October 15th, which I didn't expect having the surgery that he had in the offseason. But if he is available come Saturday night against Columbus, man, what does that do for this team? Well, Alex, you wouldn't be alone. I mean, let's face it. Nobody would have expected that when they said an original date might be late November, early December. But he stayed in St. Louis all summer. He worked his butt off. He, he, he showed determination and an absolute desire to want to be ready to go. You know, with them being in Charleston, and I have not been around uh, the team or Craig uh, to, to, to get a feel for it myself, I don't know how to read what could be coming for Saturday. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if Craig Berube came out and said, yeah, he could – he could be an option for us because that just means Columbus is the game plan with one other guy. But I also know that you're not going to rush this. You're not going to – there's absolutely no need to for, put him in there any earlier than you know he's physically ready to. If he is able to go, I mean, that's just – it's a torpedo. It's a, it's a big guy that can skate, that can hit, that moved himself up the lineup from the fourth line to the third line and even getting some second-line minutes before it was all said and done, um, I, I think it's going to be a great thing to see him out there. He will be another one of those guys to bring some of that physicality that I was just talking about, and I think it's something the Blues need up front. Did you just say it would be like getting a torpedo? Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Come on, man. Why am I... What's, what, what, am I not allowed to say that? Is no, that, no. BK just doesn't I, understand I connections in hockey. I appreciated it, Curbs. I see what you did there. It sounded BK like just, something that Alex would say, BK though. just doesn't appreciate dad <laughs> jokes. Curbs, I, I got I to gotta read this to you now that since we're on the dad joke topic. So I did Instacart shopping yesterday because my wife was working and I needed a grocery shop. Tell me if you would allow this individual yeah. to bring you your, Curbs, your groceries. Tell me, tell me how great this, okay. this text truly was from this grocery shopper. He said, hi, I'm doing your shopping for you and I'm excited to get your order started if you have any requests or need to make changes donut hesitate to ask i'll be sure to update you when i'm finished shopping until then romaine calm and carrot on uh i think that's somebody that actually cares very much for their job and that's somebody you should request the next time oh don't worry i tipped him and i tipped him handsomely to be fired on the spot (laughs) i tipped him handsomely and potentially press charges for that text being sent to you i can't believe i've had to relive that text again listen there's there's so much negativity thrown at us through so many different angles on a regular basis and if somebody's going to go to that kind of effort with corny jokes to, to do their job for you, doggone it. I mean, I'll take those kind of people all day long. I thought it was fantastic. Curse, it still makes me laugh. Romaine calm. That was great. <laughs> no. Alex was dying pre show well, yesterday kind of, because of that. Just uh, okay. that, and at some point in time, when we have some blips in this season, which we know we are going to have. You guys, that should be your rallying call this year. Everybody, Romaine Calm. Oh, I'm so writing that down in tweets every night after a loss. Curves, yep, final Romain question. Calm. We'll be all right. A final question that I've got for you. Call your shot. Who is going to all have right. a career year for the Blues this year? You know, BK, you just missed your opportunity to say, let us get back to hockey. See, I... I it's unbelievable. <laughs> Curbs, it's unbelievable. Curbs, you know what the problem was? He got shot four times in the rear end with an airsoft gun, and so he doesn't know how to handle it. 
Okay, wait, sorry. All right, so I apologize. Repeat your question for me. I don't even walked out of the room because he doesn't like dad jokes. If you had to have <laughs> one player that had a career year this season, who would it be? Let us continue. Uh, uh, you know what? I, I Guys, you're coming off of a year where you had – you're coming off of a year where you had – Nine guys score 20 goals. I don't know how many career years are in there or if guys can build on that. But And and really, except for David Perron and then the addition of neighbors, it really is much the same team. You get, you now get, you obviously, you get Letty for the full season as well. Here's my pick to have. I, I think this guy could have a monster year. And, and he, he had a good year last year, but he was banged up and had to do it while banged up. If he can stay healthy, I think. I think you're going to see just a spectacular year from Braden Shen. That's my guy for this year. And now career year, look, this guy's already scored 70 points in a season. You know, like, I, I don't know what a career year for Braden Shen looks like, but I think that he will be an absolute force for the Blues if he stays healthy on the offensive side of things, in the room, and just the the style of play that he brings. I like it. Hey, BK, can I please ask Curbs one more question? <laughs> Curbs, if where I, is the airsoft gun? Curbs, <laughs> Curbs, in all seriousness, if I had to ask you one bold prediction for the season, where would you go with it? Because I asked Joey this, and Joey said on the post game in that final preseason game that Robert Thomas has a hundred point season. Where would you go with a bold prediction? Well, I don't want to squash any momentum that you guys are on, but. Uh, it's bold a prediction here. I hate everything um, about all of you. All of you. If, 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 if I don't um, – my bold prediction for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, all right, I'm going to go on a limb on this bold prediction. My bold prediction for the St. Louis Blues is they win the Central Division. I like that. That's what I said. Two Actually, people are smart. Guys, I'm high on this team. I think this team is really good. Uh, if I, I, if Jordan Bennington, he's going to be the key without a shred of doubt. Okay. And this team had 109 points last season. Okay. And you're playing in a division now where the Blackhawks are going to be worse. And I don't know how good the Arizona coyotes are going to be. I expect some better competition from the California teams. LA is going to be better. I get that. Some of the teams in the East are better than they were a year. So maybe that lowers some point totals, but again, this team still had 109 points last year. Uh, and and I think if if you're if you're a t- team where you could reach those kind of totals, you've got a crack at a division title. So that, I'll throw that as a bold prediction. Curbs, you've been a peach today, man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Yep, just uh, you know, glad glad to help you guys out. BK, you'll you'll be all right. It'll it'll be all right. We'll be good. <laughs> just power rage yourself guys, through, BK. Try, <laughs> I know he might be. Listen, he might be sour. Don't try to butter him up. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to beat the hell out of both of you. <laughs> Kurt, appreciate the time as always. We'll hit the rewind coming up next. Cheers, boys. Bye. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kyle. I think that was the worst segment I've ever been a part of, or the best. I can't decide which one. Some it, it, there is no in between. Uh, you seem pretty excited. You're just spoiled from a good time. 
every decision I've made in life brought me to this moment. And what is this, Spider Man? I've got some mistakes that I have made. Yeah, it's usually because you go zero and three every week and pick them. And not this week. Yeah, that's this week right. it was Tanner. Hey, you can join us at Copper Fire Tanner in sucks. Belleville, Illinois, for, for the boys' season. <laughs> Ryder, come on, man. That was Joe from South County. Uh, the Blues are kicking off the regular season this Saturday hey. to celebrate. We're hosting a day-long broadcast at Copper Fire. We will be home. there live from eleven to two. Fast lane from two to six. Special guests, great food, drinks all along the way from eleven to six o'clock. You'll have a chance to win sign pucks, a sign Ryan O'Reilly jersey, so much more, all live from Belleville, Illinois. We're going to be at Copper Fire. You can get more details at 101ESPN.com. You want to know the best part about all of it, too? Mm. We don't, are going to. No, I don't have a pun. Don't. I don't have a pun, but it will be an excellent time. We have tickets to give away for the home opener as well. So make sure you get out there to Belleville. We've got an opportunity to get you tickets to the home opener against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So make sure you get out you there. You get to see the Battle of the Blues. Uh, we've <sighs> done that. No, that was preseason. This is real. We got smacked around in that one. No, uh, the first one we won that that one. Alex. Yeah, buddy. We have a punishment to announce. You're darn tootin' we do. Oh, you don't like darn tootin'? Earlier today, I served my punishment. You could see that on Twitter, oh. at 101 ESPN, on the Facebook page, the 101 talk. ESPN account, and at TikTok, mm. at 101 ESPN there as well. I was shot four times in the butt with an airsoft gun. It is now time to oh. announce what Tanner's punishment will be for his loss in the Pick'em Challenge this week. There were three options in the Pick'em Challenge yes. for which one he's going to serve, which yes. punishment. Option number one, he stands on the corner of Olive and 270 for an hour in a costume with a sign that says, I suck at picks. And we are decided to garden gnome. Pushes a football slide the full length of the field while Kerry Davis yells at him. Or option number three, the Hot Ones Challenge. We have a gentleman that was willing and will bring the bomb. If you've ever seen Hot Ones, you know it is eighth in the order. It is the hottest of all the hot sauces. Oh, that's lovely. God, I'm so glad you're getting that punishment and not me. Finishing in third with 21% of the votes. Standing on Olive with a sign in a costume with a sign that says, I suck at football That has taken a sharp decline. Option number two with 26% of the votes. This is a pushing a football slide the full length of the football field while Kerry Davis yells at him. Option number one. Disappointed that Kerry Davis is still fun, uh, falling behind. With 53% of the votes, Tanner's punishment for the weeks is the Hot Ones Challenge. We have a gentleman that will be bringing the da bomb sauce to mm-hmm. Belleville, Illinois at Copper Fire. If we can convince Tanner. So are we just going to put it on a spoon or is he going to put it on something like and eat it? Put it on a chip or we could get some chicken wings and you could just put it on the wings. We will have Tanner hopefully serve that challenge, serve that punishment in Belleville. If we can convince him to do so, he is. I don't think we should convince him. He's he lost. Well, we'll serve the punishment on Fridays. If not, he will do it next week for us. You are addressing handcuffs during the show. Touche, sir. That is the punishment for this week's pick'em challenge. Tanner, how you feeling, buddy? Uh, you know what? I I can hand if I can handle a beard while like a champion, I can handle anything that the punishment. Dude, you may understand? Serve. Like this is high on the Scoville chart, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this is like Tanner. When you get home fine. today, I want you to do me one favor. Yeah. Google Scoville chart. Make a new, make a new, another pot of coffee. <laughs> go, go watch Hot Ones. Oh my God! Look up the one that had Gordon Ramsay on it. Okay. And and just just watch. It's like twenty five minutes. First of all, it's well worth your time. Second of all, should we have him sign a waiver? Yes. Uh, second of all, 
watch his reactions to specifically to bomb. I mean, all of it. I almost feel like I want to be more surprised. What if if his insides like combust? I'm so glad this one because post colonoscopy, man, I don't want to put this in my system. I can (laughs) promise you putting a little bit on a chip is going to be plenty. I I promise you we will not need more than that. And anybody that (sighs) has watched the show before. You you are probably with me. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service. I'm line. nervous for you. I'm nervous. <laughs> this is way worse than getting shot multiple times with a paintball gun. Yeah. No, I don't know. Way man. worse. You should have heard that paintball this come out is, of that gun. This I is the, the worst me. punishment that we have had so far this year. I'm a little disappointed the Kerry Davis thing has not won yet. Like I thought people would want to see him yell at one of you two since I don't lose. Oh, well, you're destined. Give now. it. Give it two days. Give it two days, buddy. When we make our picks this next time. Okay. I'm worried for you. I don't need to, man. Both of you go 0-3. I'm good. If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com. The free 101 ESPN app is where you find it. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I thought we had a really good conversation earlier about what the Cardinals should be prioritizing this offseason. Do they go for the outfielder? Do they go for that legit number one starter? Do they consider getting in on the shortstop market? And if they do that, what does it mean for the other positions Find that on the podcast page. We will be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. The fast lane's coming up from 2 to 6, including an interview with Craig Burby. So stay tuned here on 101 ESPN. All right, I'm aiming left cheek, screaming my name. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.